0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Africa Africa is the center of the world. Latitude zero, longitude zero. Planned by the Creator. Xanthropus was the first man found on the Earth. That was the motherland.
3: And to provide you with information So that you can use it as a tool for liberation That's to help liberate your people And to help liberate humanity From all of the various forms of oppression We welcome you on the 22nd of March, 2020 To Africa on the moon Our theme tonight is there is more to this virus. There is more to this virus. We'd like for you to call in today and give your views and your perspectives on this issue by calling in at 323 679 323 679 0841 Tell us and share with us Information that you may have Concerning this so-called Pandemic And how can we use this experience To help move The world forward Again, we welcome you to Africa on the move Like always On this program It entails the first segment Of what's going on in your community In your world and the community, followed by a discussion of the theme. And the participants that we will have today we entail, first and foremost, our political panelists. We'll start out right now with Brother Haki. We'd like to welcome our Brother Haki to Africa on the Move. Brother Haki, welcome to Africa on the Move.
4: Uh, Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki mathe Mishoki. I've been involved in political struggle for a long, long time. <clears throat> and one of the things that when I think about this coronavirus, uh, it, it, it seems to me it gives us the possibility of ushering a different paradigm in which we create a system which is accountable to human society, uh, a system in which uh, the uh, injustices of the past will long washed away. So in thinking about that, I wrote this piece in terms of um, socialism to the rescue. Now, it has been stated that no, nauseam socialism doesn't work. Ironically, when socialism is mandated by a nation's people for implementation, Western response is predictable, that response is to destroy the nation and its political leadership. Little Grenada, population 3 million, elected Maurice bishop to implement socialism on the uh, Island only to be invaded by the U.S. by order President Ronald Reagan. Maurice Fisher was killed and replaced by a Western puppet. Now, socialism appeal to working people is understandable, but what tangible results does it contribute to the national economies. Let's take a look at the U.S. In 1933, Roosevelt implemented the New Deal. The idea behind the New Deal was to get money flowing through the system in order to invigorate the financial system. The multiplier effect ensured the stagnant capitalist economy could meet the challenge of massive unemployment, homelessness, and underutilization of, of industry. By the standard, socialism was a success. In 2001 and 2008, the U.S. stimulated the economy by providing tax cuts in 2001, printing money, uh, putting it in people's pockets. And in 2008, provided U.S. citizens with payments between $300 and $600. Interestingly enough, this socialist spending empowered working class people to buy things. By purchasing things, the U.S. economy increased, or the GDP, to 6.2% from 2% declining to 3.8% by 2011. Now, a 3% increase in GDP is considered exceptional, so a 3.8% increase in GDP means socialism works works very well. In 81, 1981 to 1989, the Reagan era, Reagan was indeed successfully reducing the size of the government and reducing the money supply. While this conservative revolution empowered the wealthy, it did nothing to enhance the economy. The shortcoming of conservative philosophy was evident throughout the world. In the U.K., under Margaret Thatcher, Deficits, inventory skyrocketed, resulting in high unemployment, homelessness, and cuts to social services. The only agency immune to cuts was the military. Now, their, now damage to the economy was was so pervasive. George Herbert Walker Bush, succeeded Reagan, who succeeded Reagan, implemented a 168 billion dollar stimulus plan to mitigate the destruction imposed by imposed upon the economy. It appears capitalism is quite incapable of addressing is quite incapable of addressing society's economic growth, but better contribute to society's problems. Now, in 2020, Trump will disperse $850 billion toward the stimulus package. Now, when I say stimulus, keep in mind I'm talking socialism. Every thought in the U.S. will receive a $1,000 check. Politicians led the stimulus package is a result of coronavirus' impact on the economy. The reality is quite different. The reality is the economy has been in recession over the last 10 years. Big banks are technically insolvent, and corporations are in debt or the term zombie institutions" has been used to illustrate the instability of the financial system. Now, this stimulus package, like the, le- like the, excuse me, like the past, has nothing to do with coronavirus or anything to do with, with coronavirus. It has everything in the world to do with attempting to revitalize the decaying capitalist order. Now, the core reality is in the U.S., 60 percent of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Four out of 10 citizens can't cover a $400 emergency. 70% of the workers live paycheck to paycheck. Now, superimposed upon these grim statistics is the rising cost that prevents working people from obtaining the items they need. In the case of coronavirus, the test kits, if available, cost $1,500. Given the stats stated, stated, is it realistic to believe capitalism has a vested interest in the poor? Of course not. Socialism has demonstrated over and over again its usefulness and why humane societies can't function without socialism. Now I say all that to say Brother Africa that when we when we talk about different paradigms, different way of organizing society, it's important that are alternatives to capitalism. So I think we have to have institutions to to sort of underscore that in, that significance in terms of um, you know, uh socialism's uh, viability when it comes to the new social order. But in order to do that, don't have this kind of discussion, we have to first and foremost understand, you know, without a doubt, the difference between socialism and capitalism and how the two function. And in doing so, we're in a perfect position in terms of impacting uh, those who lead the society into capitalism, I mean, into socialism. So, therefore, I encourage people to build institutions uh, to gear toward, you know, with understanding that um, without the new paradigm, uh, the situation becomes much more brave for people in the society. So socialism is very, very important, but without institutions to, to bring it about, it's simply almost impossible to achieve.
3: Thank you, Brother Hakeem. We name will welcome... Brother Anthony,
5: we welcome you to Africa on. No welcome, Brother Anthony.: uh, Revolutionary greetings, Brother Africa. Thanks for having me. Revolutionary greetings to the fellow panelists and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party GC, Objectivist Pan-Africanism: the Total Liberation and Unification of Africa under Scientific Socialism.
3: Well, from Brother Afternoon to Brother Zabari, we'd like to welcome our Brother Zabari to Africa on the moon. Welcome, Brother Zabari.
6: Peace, everybody. Brother Jay, resident researcher, looking forward to another insightful program. Thank you for the opportunity.
3: Thank you for being here, Brother Zabari. Now to our next panelist and we bring in Brother Moses. Brother
2: Moses, welcome to Africa on the moon. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Ingredients to you, the panelists, and everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, the author and minister of my faith, and that mouth, Fai faith tongue is his messenger for government. Fathers help your children. And thank you once again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show.
3: Thank you as well for being on this program, Brother Moses. And going from Brother Moses, we will now go to Brother Maurice, and we'd like to welcome Brother Maurice to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Maurice.
7: Thank you. Thank you, Brother, Brother Africa. Uh, revolutionary greetings to to you and the and, and listeners out there and to the fe- uh, fellow panelists. Thank you so much for having me here again tonight, and I just want to uh, give glory and celebration to the 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 late great. He's still alive through us, through revolutionaries today. The great Walter Rodney of of Guyana. His birthday is tomorrow, so thank. But thank you for having me here, and and we got to keep his spirit going and keep his uh, keep his struggle going. Thank you.
3: Okay, what we're gonna do right now? Listen, audience. We're going to pause for this cause, and when we come back, we're going to begin with the segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community, and we'd like to hear from you. You can participate during this segment and share with us and the rest of the world what's going on in your world and the community by calling in at 323-679-0841. we eight four one. We'll do this when we come back from the station break. you got to listen to
1: Africa on the Move. And if you come from Portland, and if you come from Westmoreland, you're an African. So don't you where you come from, as long as you're a black man, you're an African. No mind your nationality, I've got the idea. i
3: at this time, what's going on in their world and the community. We'll start off first with Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world in the community?
5: Okay, um, well a few things are going are going on, you know, that show the contrast I think between capitalist societies and uh, societies that are trying to build socialism. Uh, I recently, uh, let's say a few things. One, I I recently read an article in which, uh, Cuba, uh, sent 140, uh, medical personnel to Jamaica in order to help them deal with the coronavirus. They arrived, um, uh, yesterday and they're going to be quarantined, you know, for, uh, you know for 14 days and then they'll start work to help out the Afri- uh, the, the African side of Jamaica deal with the coronavirus uh, situation uh let's see uh in contrast uh I read an article uh that um, uh that uh, the mayor of Baltimore uh told uh uh you know uh, told africans to stop to, to stop uh, killing each other because uh uh you know ho- uh ho- house hospitalddle beds were needed uh for sufferers of uh coronavirus and uh, you know, and I think it shows uh disregard, uh, for uh, you know, for the lives of uh, you know of the masses of African people, and uh, let's see. And it should be noted that uh, that this particular politician is an African himself, which shows, I think, how in a crisis uh, 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 crisis of capitalism, the class struggle tends to intensify uh, considerably and i read an article in uh rolling stone uh, uh magazine that in the, uh that the doj is secretly negotiating with congress uh to uh to allow for the uh, indefinite uh you know detention of uh, people that are arrested and uh to be held without trial uh and this um is, uh, a, a, you know, suspension of uh, constitutional rights. And uh, people should be ve- very seriously concerned about that, you know. So uh, that's what I have at the moment.
3: Thank you, Brother Afton. And next we we'll go to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, what's going on in your world and the
4: community? Yeah, a couple of things, Brother Africa. First, uh, July 24th to July 31st, African awareness, be going to Cuba. And we, of course, we encourage people to go to Cuba and see for themselves firsthand the great work Cuba is doing in terms of its mix of uh, or its relationship between uh, the citizenry and its institutions. Uh, and also, in keeping with Brother Anthony, one of the things that's great about Cuba is that recently there were ships that were docked uh, because of the coronavirus, and uh, the host nations refused to take them in. But Cuba took them in and uh, currently treating those individuals for co- coronavirus. Now, and if that doesn't speak in terms of humanity, I don't know what does. So clearly, Cuba's a kind of um, example. Uh, we certainly uh, want to uplift and convey to the world in terms of its importance, because while countries like Cuba, then clearly, uh, if we were to emulate uh, the situation as it currently exists in the Western world, particularly in the United States in terms of the atrocity, in terms of the duplicity, the corruption, and the hatred, uh, if we were to emulate that, then the world would be that much better place. So Cuba is a is a bright shining beacon, and we encourage people to go there to see first, for themselves firsthand, why Cuba is such a great thing, and to ha- engage in discourse with the Cubans, uh, learn some things, come back, implement some of the things that you learn in the Cuban community, implement them in the African community, because Cuba has a lot of ideas in terms of how society should be organized. The way in which is organized uh, has reaped huge benefits uh, in terms of education, you know, in terms of academics. In terms of achievement, Cuba is outstanding in all regards. So we encourage people firsthand to go for Cuba and see for themselves. Now, for more information, we encourage you to give us a call at 804-549-7492 or our code 202-714-9435 or email us at African Awareness Association, all one word, number two, at com. And the thing that Brother Africa I just want to, to talk about, and this is probably a um, – it's not a new problem, but it's one that's ongoing. And this is the problem in terms of systemic uh, corruption in law enforcement. You know, from raping young girls to drug dealing, uh, from, you know, from pedophilia to sodomizing hookers. Now, out of bounds for so many of these cops. Uh, planting guns on suspects, providing rocket launch. To example, uh, Adam, I do in the Bronx. Cops often engage in laws, which are <clears throat> violation of laws, which are important to civility. Now, one of the crimes all too prevalent among police in the US is planting drugs on suspects on suspects. Now, recently, three instances arose detailing this very practice. Uh, one happened in Staten Island, New York, in which a couple officers, Kyle Erickson and, and Amir uh was observed planting drugs on a, a particular uh, a young man. Now, interestingly enough, Kyle Erickson, one of the cops, actually has his, his camp body camera on. His body camera actually picked up when he actually planted the drugs. So when we went before the judge, uh, the judge reviewed the, the body cam imagery, And he spotted that he stopped the trial. Uh, He dismissed the uh, charges against uh, the defendant, and he advised uh, Kyle Irison and the the prosecutor that uh, Irison and both Irison and Amher Pastre, both officers, would need legal representation. Well, needless to say, the system got together and they found a way. In terms of uh, as opposed to indicting uh, the two police officers for for planting drugs. They actually pressured the the defendant uh, to take a a, a, a plea deal, uh, in hopes that uh, to intimidate him so he don't go further in terms of pursuing justice for you know them planting drugs you know in his vehicle. Now the second situation happened in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, and this is this is this is a very interesting article because it speaks to values in terms of. The the, the, the the bravery you know of African women and in terms of their ability, their willingness to, to stand up I mean in very such difficult situations oh, but anyway the sister uh, observed the cop planting drugs on a suspect who was actually handcuffed on the ground. The officer took the drugs out of his his, his, his personal his personal belongings dropped it in front of the suspect and said uh-huh so I see you got drugs and the young sister said to him, said no 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 he didn't have any drugs. You drop those drugs right in front of him, and I'm recording it. So you got to be impressed in terms of the bravado, in terms of this young sister to say to the cops, "Listen, I got you on tape," because the repercussions could have been very, very serious. I mean, she could have ended up dead by by, by exposing the cops right on the scene. So so kudos to this young sister, uh, her lady name Jasmine, last name last initial was Kate, But kudos to her in terms of the stand that she took in terms of highlighting another injustice inflicted upon African people. And the last incident, brother, happened, of course, in Baltimore City. Now, I, 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 I've I seen some corruption of police in my time, um, you know, New York City, uh, Philadelphia. You know, I, I've seen my share of corruption, uh, L.A., but i got to tell you, this kind of corruption in, in, in Baltimore is just off the chart. Uh, this particular officer, Richard Panero, but we, but unfortunately, he was found guilty by the courts in terms of um, planning uh, the drugs on a suspect, but he got no jail time. But the irony of irony is that he continued to receive his paychecks even after he was convicted. So the punitive aspect uh, to, this, to to his punishment was never a, was never a, a, a factor. So he was simply, what's happening is that the system is sending a message to other corrupt cops that planning drugs on people is okay as long as you don't get caught. And if you do get caught, there's no real punishment for that. So clearly this kind of uh, situation when it comes to cops planning things on people has been a long historical problem, particularly in the African and, and Hispanic communities. And so it seems to me that uh, without organization and communities, this kind of thing will continue to persist. So we have to have organization in terms of putting an end to this kind of wholesale corruption.
3: Thank you, Brother Haki. and to Brother Jabari.
1: Brother
3: Jabari, what's going on in your world, in the community? All right. time going to get back with Jabari. Let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world, in the community?
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think it's been interesting that, you know, people are talking about the economy, and um, economics is a study of how scarce goods are distributed. And so what we, in fact, have is we have a political economy. Uh, politics determines economics always has and always will. And so we we want to stimulate the economy, quote, unquote. And the, the way, you know, from a Marxist and a, um, a standpoint, we have to keep politics in demand. That means we have to look out for the workers uh, as a political unit and uh and and give give the stimulus to the workers uh they talk about small business and having jobs and keeping small business etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but it's the key the key uh, is the workers are, are uh the key to stimulating the economy and i just want to say that uh and uh, this week has been interesting. This coronavirus has been ravishing the country, and uh, I think it's a bright light uh, that's being shown to anybody who really pays attention. The, the countries that have socialized medicine uh, and socialized health care, those countries are doing uh, far better in, in the war against this virus than, than the other capitalist countries in uh that's that's China and Cuba and uh, uh, even I think even in South Korea they have a socialized medicine and they're doing better. And so you know we need universal health care. This corvi coronavirus uh, COVID-19 shows us more than ever we need we need people to wake up and see that we need universal health care. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brother Moses.
3: And now Miguel. Uh, we're going to transfer to Brother Maurice, and Brother Maurice, what's going on in your world in the community?
7: Yes, recently um, I read an article in the Associated uh, Press stating that police are shifting their priorities as crisis, as this coronavirus crisis grows. The article stated that police officers in Fort, War- uh, Fort Worth and Denver have stopped arresting people for low-level crimes. The article also stated uh, that two New York City police officials were diagnosed in the Manhattan precinct and the precinct was forced to bring in reinforcement reinforcements because our uh, officer tested positive and thirty more officers um called in sick. So this is what the this <laughs> this is, this is what, uh the associated uh press um stated and it and it last but not least, it stated that Philadelphia is one of a is one of a growing list of cities where police are pulling back on arrests for low-level crimes like burglaries, drug offenses, etc. So this was an interesting article um, to see that uh, you know the police that the police have been infected and seeing how they are handling it handle handle going about this situation. So I thought this was interesting um, to bring up tonight. But that's what that's what uh, one of the issues anyhow. Is going on in, uh, in in my world.
3: And for her, you correctly, correct, Brother Maurice. You saying is the police in New York calling in saying they are sick?
4: Yes, that's correct. Uh,
3: you, that made me reflect, uh, reflect back to Katrina in terms of how they dealt with the so-called uh, Katrina crisis where many of them chose to walk off the job and not serve the public. And ironically those who did it end up getting out of that job you know, getting that job back and stuff. <clears throat> so anyway, um, you know, we sort of sort of have had a glimpse of what those possibilities may be. Panelists just talking about some of the things yes, yes. Uh, brother Jabari, what's going on in your world, the community?
6: I think I was not supposed to technical difficulty, but I recently read an article where in the state of California, Governor Newsom instituted a policy where the National Guard is going to be assisting the food bank in terms of distributing food to those that are supposed to be in need. Now, given that this is a group that is used, that's supposed to be used to quell what they call uprisings things of that nature, the fact that they're going to have such a strong role in just distributing the food, the question is who is the food going to be going to? And why would you need somebody like that that is, you know that's basically, you know, known for being a security and stabilizing kind of force to help distribute the food. In other words, there's an agenda at play, there's an end game at play and they're gonna make darn sure that those who they want to get the food are going to get it. Not for just everybody or those who need it the most. But it's clearly they're defined those um they're defining those that are in need.
3: Hmm. That situation, along with the situation I raised by Brother Maurice, um, I think we can see a pattern of development along with those situations that you have just raised. Also, I think maybe in some places today, if we look at the hospitals who are making statements that they don't have enough beds, they are now also saying they are in a position where they will have to decide to make a decision on who will and will not get their services. And what kind of impact you think that may have on communities and people who live in various communities panelists we' have seen the story before. How do we um minimize its negative effects? How do we minimize or deal with the possibilities of your public service may choose not to come to work or may choose not to even serve and maybe leaving uh and look out for their own families? How you deal with the situation with um uh institutions like the national guards and different law enforcement? They may not um do the kind of thing that would be the best interest of the public. As Brother Maurice raised, brother Jabami raised about possibility. Is there a role to distribute food? Who would decide where the food to go and will they, you know, honor those decisions? Um, you know so this, this this phenomenon that's going on right now dealing with the virus it has opened up a whole host of contradictions and weaknesses and possibilities
1: uh,
3: of, of issues that clearly seem like that this country is not prepared for. That's our general response to this scenario of these possibilities.
5: Yes, uh I think it becomes critically important for people to understand that uh, that, that, that that if government, that if the government isn't uh looking out for your own best interests, and I think Africans have known this for a long time, uh you know that uh that that that, 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 that we have to organize and look out for our own interests. And that's something we've uh we, we, uh we ha uh you know we have not uh y- you know been able to do since uh, the ending of chattel slavery we we, we uh, you know we we uh we tend to be very quick to join other groups and try to fit into society into the larger you know uh uh you know settler colonialist society rather than trying to build up our own organizations and communities. And uh, we have to and uh, we have to you know organize ourselves before we start you know forming uh, you know coalitions with other people. That's going to be necessary, but we have to go in as an organized force. And that's a major reason why, you know, uh, you know we can't hold uh, our political leadership accountable because we go into these uh, political parties as individuals and not as an organized force. So organization becomes um, uh, critically important. And another is education. We have to uh, uh, un- uh, uh, understand the causes of uh, of what's happening to us, we have to know our history, and we have to keep abreast of current events.
4: Yeah, well, you know my my, my take on it is that you know we, we got to be very concerned in terms of uh, this whole uh, question around states' rights. Uh, one of the things uh, the Orange Minister talked about, he talked about the fact that the responsibility in terms of dealing with the coronavirus lies squarely with the states. Clearly, you're talking about uh, um, most of the states in America are greatly indebted. And for him to say that uh, he wants the states to take the lead in terms of financing, you know, uh, bids uh, or, or, or various kinds of things that people need to treat the coronavirus. For him to say that speaks volumes in terms of the kind of apathy that exists when it comes to human life. You know, it's very, very interesting, brother Africa, when we think about it in terms of 150 trillion dollars that he's talking about. Uh, he's talking about um, 150 billion dollars that he's talking about for the stimulus package. It's very interesting because the whole thing is that you know, doing a whole 150 150 billion stimulus that he's talking about, he's not talking about. Uh, Buying uh, respirators or buying masks—those things that are needed in terms of increasing the availability of space for people who have coronavirus. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, that when, when you when you when you think about it, you know, uh, it's very very clear that the aspirations or the interests of the people, or even their their livelihood or their longevity on this planet, is simply not a concern of a lot of powerful people in and institutions of power. And I'm very very concerned about that. So when anytime you relegate things to the states, then you got to understand that you're never going to get any real resolution in terms of the problems that you're confronted with. Typically, what states do is when you have uh, uh, incidences like uh, the outbreak of coronavirus, what their response is more military, more military intervention, as though somehow um, the military is going to solve the problem in terms of the coronavirus, as though the military is going to actually shoot the virus with their military weaponry, and everything's going to be okay. So I think clearly this this problem that you're talking about, to a large extent, no question about it, it has systemic implications. And the problem is that you know the Orange minister, unless there's enough people to apply adequate pressure on the Orange Menace, you know, to change that policy, then he's not going to use additional dollars in terms of going to a place like China and saying to the to you know to the, to the to the leadership there, to the business class there listen, we want to purchase respirators, we want to purchase masks, because the livelihood and lives of our people are that that much important. That is not what he's doing. He's making a choice between the health of the people versus the state of the economy. Well, he opted to to, to make sure that their stimulus uh, is all about the state of the economy. In other words, uh, once the economy gets, uh, gets, gets better again, What's going to happen is business as usual. It's back to the same thing that brought the, brought brought the economy to a decline in the first place, namely in terms of the uh, the, uh, the the most of the money going to the wealthy people. And of course, all that money going to the wealthy people does nothing in terms of revitalizing and stimulating the economy. But it doesn't matter. That's what is all. But that's what it's all about. So clearly, it's very very interesting in terms of this 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 this, this use of the military for something like coronavirus. And uh, because they continually do that. It speaks volumes in terms of how they see the people. Is it quite possible that they perceive the people as somehow the the arch enemies, and so therefore the the national guard is simply a a, a reminder, uh, you know that uh, number one that the state is in control, and two, if you step out of line, you know what comes next, your know, liquidation. So clearly, you know, uh, you know this is part and parcel of political theater, and uh, I I think that there's nothing we can do in terms of preventing that without mass organization.
3: You know, I thank Brother Anthony and the rest of the panelists for folks who have been following this particular um, issue of the DOJ um, going to Congress and want to create some kind of secret legislation where we empower law enforcement more. Can you speak a little bit more on that, uh, Brother Anthony, and those who are familiar with it, and what that may mean to your everyday citizen as well as particularly to African people who may not be in agreement? in terms of some of the stuff that would take place on the ground that would directly impact them as a community, as a family, and not like just being a, a conscious African citizen. So what is this deal? Well what the
5: implications there? of that is uh for one thing, uh if if someone is uh uh arrested or 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 uh and uh you know they could be detained indefinitely without being charged and uh and uh and what um what the d o j is pushing for is the suspension of um constitutional rights which in, which in some cases happens a lot to Africans anyway, but this would uh this would broaden it somewhat and make it more uh you know more blatant and uh, it will give the, the government power uh, greater powers to suspend uh, people indefinitely, like if there is an emergency that uh, that causes the courts not to be able to function, for example. And uh, so it has uh, serious implications for people that get caught up in the uh, you know in the police industrial complex for whatever reason and uh that could be a very and uh people particularly uh you know that depend upon you know uh uh you know their vehicles to get around uh if they're uh you know if they get ticketed or uh or harassed by the police uh, for minor, uh, you know, or major offenses, you know, it could um, it could cause serious problems for them and their families.
3: In terms of this arrest, are they laying out any basis for the arrest? Are the arrests gonna be more geared towards actually something concrete you have done, or be more political in, in nature in terms of? more so information and things that you have said that may not be in conjunction with the interests of the state. Because of my understanding that uh, many people feel that at this point in time they'll use it as a means to clamp their own political dissent in terms of just outright having the right to articulate ideas and information that may not jive with the interests of the state interests.
4: Yeah, but you but you gotta take into consideration, Brother Africa. There's a process involved. The thing is that they, at this point in history, uh for them to just go out and start arresting people for political reasons it's just uh be very wouldn't be in their, their best interest. Uh, you know, so, so there's a process involved. First and foremost, there's a the steps that have to be taken in terms of getting to that point. I think one of the things that they are doing in terms of one of the things legislation they attempted in the past is that they want to create a law using a computer in which uh, encryption becomes illegal. In other words, what they want to do is they want to make sure, you know, that nothing remains secret. Uh, and nothing remains secret, they're in a perfect position in terms of monitoring all speech. And so, therefore, uh, you know, in monitoring all speech, they get a pretty good idea in terms of who's who in terms of you know, who's educating, who's political, who understands what's going on in the world, and so forth and so on. And so, therefore, it gives them adequate time in terms of actually increasing the number of people that they have, uh, they have on their computers, in terms of potential people they're going to pick up when the situation deteriorates uh, further. Now, I think the thing that we have to understand that there's, nobody should be surprised when you look at the National Defense Authorization Act, and they talk about the, the the five, the five concentration camps, five areas that set up for the internment of, of, of people in the society. They're very, very clear on the point that they understand that it's inevitable the decline or the fall of the system is inevitable, and they know that. In fact, when you look at it in terms of the overall economy, when you look at the, the indebtedness of the corporations, uh, clearly uh, the U.S. is in, in great debt. In fact, it's, 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 the debt is not uh, not redeemable. There's no way in the world you can overcome the kind of debt the U.S. is facing. And so they know inevitably at a point you're going to have to start wholesale locking up people because they don't have any choice. But I think it's a process involved. So I don't think we're we're quite there yet in terms of that process. I, I think that right now certain other things, certain kind of uh, laws, certain kind of policies, have to be put into place to first and foremost to sort of condition people to the idea, in terms of uh you know wholesale uh, incarceration of folks. So as when they start doing it, folks are not going to give it a second thought. They say, oh well, it's just one of those things, or they'll say, well people deserve to be locked up because if they wouldn't have expose their views and would articulate their views then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be incarcerated. So I think that's a process. So I think that process is I think with some ways away in terms of actually picking up folks, but certainly we're getting there. And one thing we gotta keep our eyes on, when we talk about corporations being in debt, we talk about these zombie corporations, which are so indebted, the reality is that they shouldn't be functioning. In fact the only way a lot of them function is that when we talk about financing the corporations, a lot of it is financed by so called or junk bonds. In other words, the debt of the corporations is so so poor that even the even the capitalists don't want to touch them. So the only way they ever touch them, they will, will want super returns in terms of any kind of investments they give to these corporations. So that's indicative of just how precarious, how how unstable this this the economy is. And so therefore, understanding that, then we have to really understand that all of us become an implicit threat to the system. It doesn't matter whether you understand what's going on in society or not you are an implicit threat to society. So clearly we understand that, you know, uh given that backdrop, uh we got to be we, we, we got to be we gotta begin to understand that the uh that what that, that this whole process in terms of internment uh, in interment of large number of people is something that's on its way. So we can't delude ourselves in believing that is anything otherwise.
5: I would I would add uh, to uh Haki's point that uh, that the the process of creating the, the conditions for that have already started started back in tw- uh, in two thousand one uh, uh, the the incidents that took place on September eleventh two thousand uh, one were used as uh, a, 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 as a means of increasing the the political repression of the masses of the people uh it took now, now this took place about nineteen years ago, so a lot of people don't remember that, especially us. and uh, you know, and the thing about it though our um, uh, our historical because we you know we're, we're not a- a- educating ourselves, our political memories are very short. But this has been but, but this has been in the works for a while. and the thing about it though, uh, there has been a history of capitalists using fear in order to increase the po- level of political oppression. If you analyze, uh, you know, the history of the U.S. Uh, and uh, so uh, you know, so that's something that's coming, and I think the uh, the coronavirus situation is the latest, uh, you know, instrument to be used for that purpose. Think okay fear so that people, you, you know, were at rest to uh, surrendering, uh, you know, their human rights.
4: It is very interesting when you think about coronavirus and you think about the kind of um, um, solutions they're putting forth in terms of, you know, combating coronavirus. This notion in terms of uh, self-isolating, I, I think that's very, very interesting in terms of human behavior, you know, to encourage people to self-isolate. Uh, Normally, if there's a situation where someone is sick, people leave them alone anyway, so you don't have to encourage people to self-isolate. They're going to do that anyway. So it's interesting they keep reinforcing that self-isolation, self-isolation, self-isolation. Also, uh, I think it's interesting when we talk about coronavirus, and um, we we talk about the fact that they tell people that if you get sick, uh, stay home. Well, on one hand, you tell people that you got this virus and that and, and, and that uh, treatment is possible, but then you tell them that you're sick, stay home. So then what are you really telling people? Are you, what are you telling people? I, I, perhaps you're telling people that their existence is esoteric, that you're saying to them that their existence is not important. Now, if people swallow that, if, if the if government touches your existence is not important, you swallow that, if you accept that as a given. And it speaks volumes in terms of the role of propaganda or the effectiveness of propaganda in terms of getting people to actually uh, um, um, play down their own humanity and actually do whatever those in powers you know, want them to do. Often we talk about people being a difference to, to power. And clearly, you know, there are those individuals from personality perspective would always do with, 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 uh, what, what power tells them to do. That is a fact of life. But then to have the masses of people suddenly I mean, and actually partake in a lot of these strategies uh, in terms of coronavirus and that understanding, you know, that what you're doing is actually uh, participating in a, in a trial run in terms of what's to come. In other words, if they control the way you think, the way you act, the way you move, then they, they're learning something all the time. And so, therefore, they go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we did A, B, and C. The people respond to the A, B, and C. So, therefore, we know what to do in terms of we want to internalize large number of people. We know precisely what to do and how to do it. And so we do that without even understanding that we're participating in, in this game and not understanding, you know, that they're monitoring us. They're watching what we're doing. They're, they're taking notes and know precisely what we're doing. And so we don't understand in terms of implications of what's going on because we're too busy caught up in the fear. So we're, we're afraid of what we're scared of the person next door because they might give us coronavirus. We're afraid at the marketplace to talk to somebody. Oh, they might give you coronavirus. Uh, we're scared to even talk about the politics of the day because well, I talk to them, they might give me coronavirus. Well, we can't meet, but they may give us coronavirus. So, you know, it seems to me that you know we got to understand that this is all part of a test run, and uh, this coronavirus is not, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's it's not unique in terms of in terms of you know, viruses. So to, to treat it as somehow that is exceptional is, is beyond the pale because if you start and think about it. What kills more people than the coronavirus? The flu. Now, flu is not a pan, not considered a pandemic. Now, why would that be? Why? Why isn't? Why wouldn't that be? Possibly because people have accepted the fact that flu. We've been told that flu is supposed to kill people, and so we accept that as inevitable, and so therefore we don't question it. So clearly, the role in terms of the in terms of propaganda, in terms of the kind of information they they, they convey to us, in terms of our willingness to internalize a lot of that stuff. We do do so at our own demise. And this is the scary thing about this, because right now they're pretty much in the driver's seat, and they got us acting pretty much the way they want us to act. And when people talk about sheeple, I think this is a classic example in terms of sheeple, because, you know, in other words, talking about sheep people. In other words, in terms of, you know, our willingness in terms of, you know, combating this insanity, you know, by actually going along with it as opposed to standing up and saying, no, 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 this is insane, and I'm not going to go along with it. So, Anyway, I think this is all part of a, 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 trial, a, a trial run.
3: Hmm. You mentioned about this being a test, of trial run, Brother High Key. One of the things that has been um, articulated, written, in terms of the military use of technology in the government is the new 5G system. And in our own documents, they talk about how they will use the 5G uh, new technology as a as a tool for live test running, live research among the people they them being aware of it. While we participating in these in these test runs without us being aware of it, and as you stated, you know, just seem to be maybe aspects of what's happening now. Now, given the fact I have stated it, one of the things I would like to say and get your all response to uh, earlier you mentioned about. Uh, the mayor of Baltimore made, made a real interesting comment uh, about this question of if African people did less shoot and kill each other, there'd be more bed space for those who may have been affected by this so-called virus. What was the motivation force for this public official coming publicly and making such a sexy, asinine statement? What was the motivation for, for him doing this? What does he hope to gain by making a statement like this? And then again, also he raises the question of what is the role and purpose of why we are allowing African officials to occupy these positions, and then they come out, clearly make policies, support policies, and create policies that clearly anti your community and your people? Open
5: for any response Who would like to take a stab at yeah. it I'll try to take a stab at it And maybe people could jump in I think it represents uh, An intensification Of the class struggle in uh, Inside our communities And what I mean by that is Not, everybody, not every uh, You know African Is necessarily for uh, uh, For the masses of African people and, uh, we've seen, and we've seen that in our political leadership a lot over the last 150 years, and, uh, and uh, it goes back to a problem uh, that we've had for a long time. We uh, we go into these political uh, we go into this political duopoly without our own agenda in place. In other words, we're disorganized and uh, and because we're disorganized uh we 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 get run roughshod by uh, the existing political system and uh, uh let's see the uh the bourgeois elements in that community uh look out for their own self-interest and align themselves with the uh you know with the capitalist ruling class against our interests and we can't hold them accountable because we're not we're not organized enough to do so. And uh, so we need to form our own political organization and go into these uh, other organizations with our own agenda in place. Because we lack that, we can't hold uh, these African. Political officials that work Against our interests accountable And uh, it's a classic uh, Neocolonial situation Yeah,
4: I think I think um, I I, I think off the bat I think his his, his remark Was um, condescending But I think it does speak To the class issue I think what he was really saying was that a, as a you know as opposed to y'all shooting and killing shooting each other and, and taking a bag of sits in the hospital? We prefer you guys not shoot each other, but hold off and shoot each other later because we prefer that respectable people have access to those beds for the coronavirus. And that's unfortunate because uh, one of the things that this guy doesn't apparently doesn't understand mm-hmm. is that it's very easy in terms of vilifying those individuals who engage in, in, in survival in the, in the society would be more constructive to have some type of um some type of um uh, uh, discourse around the question in terms of why people kill each other. Why are people killing each other? What sociologically uh impacts people to the extent that they're willing to kill each other. What precisely what's going on here. That would be much more productive I think in terms of understanding, you know, why people why people kill each other in the first place. But I don't think his interest is particularly sociological. I don't think he give a damn about why people kill each other. I think his position is that listen, uh, in his mind, I think that his thing is that well, either you know you 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 ha- you got it made or you don't. So I think he sees himself as w- those who got it made, not understanding the scheme of things when you talk about a guy that made in in capitalist America, he don't even come close. he might well be impoverished when it comes to massive dollars, he doesn't even come close in terms of measuring up to those in the society who control billions of dollars. so there's a notion that uh that somehow that Joe because he's the mayor of the city that something he 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 he's made it. Uh, is pretty much a, you contribute pretty much that nonsense to this whole bourgeois brother after talk about this whole petty bourgeois mentality that exists in the African community where people actually think that they have a little, a little something and they think that they hope they're better off than their people, as opposed to understanding that those things are fleeting and um, they could be taken away very very easily. In fact, the society, the economy uh, constrict, construct, constricts. Uh, the reality is that it's going to it's, it's going to be taken away anyway. So a lot of those things you hold dear, those material possessions you hold dear. There are no guarantees you can hold on to them in the future. So clearly, this is a class question, and so uh, and, and it does have some appeal in terms of you know in terms of the ruling class because they like to hear that kind of thing. Because one of the things Clarence Thomas for for instance Clarence Thomas talked about, he talked about the fact, you know reading you know the autobiography of Malcolm X, reading revolutionary literature, reading books about uh, progressive thinkers. He understood clearly what the situation was, but he also understood in order for him to, to move up in terms of hierarchy, one of the things he's got to do is he's got to play that game. He's got to stop, change you know, his perception. He must change his speech. He must change, quote, unquote, what he believes. And so, therefore, he propagated a lot of conservative bullshit because he realized, in espousing that conservative bullshit, the possibility of moving up the, the hierarchy was possible. And it, and it worked. So he espoused a lot of nonsense, and so it worked, and so he's where he wanted to be. But he did so at uh, great expense to his people, and the problem is that you know, as 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 you get as more and more uh, African people aspire to, uh, to, to, to 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 go up that hierarchy, in doing so, they 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 do a disservice, you know, not only to the people, to humanity generally, because what happens is that they ultimately become puppets for for those ambitions of power to inflict more harm, more damage, more pain. On their community so therefore in the final analysis you know we understand that uh, the petty bourgeois mentality don't give a damn about anybody other than themselves and we understand that but understanding that at some point you might you have children grandchildren nieces nephews or uh, cousins or so on who would be ever so impacted by something that you've done so we have to think holistically in terms of you know what we do and how we do it and implications of the kind of stands that we take but I think this guy's position was very, very clear. He's was, he was petty bourgeois, and his whole thing was to appeal to the ruling class in terms of hoping to you know, achieve a higher office at some point in history.
3: Okay, panelists, what we're going to do right now, we're going to pause for a call, so when we come back, we will entertain the theme for the sucker half, which is there is more to this virus. You listen to Africa on the Moon. We welcome your participation when we come back By calling in at 323-679-0841 The line will be open So again, we're going to pause for the calls And we'll be right back
1: Buffalo Soldier baby.
3: and we like to-
4: Society, particularly when you talk about 9 11. Clearly, those things were orchestrated, and so anybody who knows the history of 9 11 knows the damn well the United States did that. So, anybody who knows the history of 9 11 knows that. So, it was orchestrated, particularly in terms of uh, increasing the amount of control um, the authorities have over the citizenry. So, clearly, that was the motivation that, in addition to justifying you know, uh, endless wars around the world. So, we understand why 9 11 happened, and it certainly was inside job, and we understand that. But uh, when it comes to coronavirus, the, the point he's making in terms of, you know, the deep state being responsible for coronavirus, I would not disagree with that generally. But in terms of the specifics, I would disagree in terms of he's talking about, you know, uh, he's talking about 100 generals outside of the, 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 the formal intelligence military structures in terms of actually doing this. I don't think they have to be outside the structures in terms of bringing about, you know, this kind, this kind of coronavirus as a strategy. Uh, I don't think they have to be outside. As a matter of fact, I would argue that for, by them to be outside and try to do that, it would be very difficult for them to do that, because you're talking about a question of power. So if they were outside of those intelligence uh, military structures in terms of trying to force their will, then those those people in the deep state right inside those structures would resist. So it's not likely that they would simply give them that kind of power. So I don't think that these guys are working outside of the outside of deep state. I think they're pretty much, if they're going to do it, they're going to be inside the deep state in terms of doing that. Historically, they've always been inside there, the deep state. So he's very correct in terms of who actually runs the society. Now, people often think about the presidency and think in terms of in terms of running things. But people don't understand that the real power has nothing to do with in terms of president. The president is only symbolic. It doesn't mean a damn thing. The real power is behind the scenes. And so when we talk about deep state, we talk about intelligence, the military you know, apparatus. We talk about these individuals with, with unlimited power who, who, who do things that they fit. Then clearly, Obama learned that lesson very very, 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 very well. He actually thought, being the president, that he actually could affect policy, particularly foreign policy. The deep state let him know that, no, 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 you don't affect policy. You know, your job is to, you know, get up on the cameras and make things look good. But we run things. We run things from behind the scenes. So I was sort of confused in terms of you know uh, you know you know uh, he's saying that also he was saying that uh, Bush I mean uh, what's his name uh, uh, the Orange Menace um, he was saying that he was saying that the Orange Menace uh, sure.
1: wasn't aware
4: wasn't aware of of, of the D state maneuvering and I give, I I agree that the Orange Menace is not the sharpest tool in the shade there's no question about that but I think that he to say that he's that ignorant in terms of the the workings the inner workings of the D state. I think that's a stretch. I think for this particular situation when it comes to coronavirus, I I think the Orange Minutes agrees with that because his position is that he's all about the empowerment of the wealthy. That's what he's all about. He sees himself as a wealthy individual, and he is. uh, So his thing is to ensure a government that's that's compliant in terms of providing the wealthy with whatever they need in terms of enriching themselves. And so, therefore, I can see him supporting anything uh, that's going to enrich the wealthy. So, therefore, if you have coronavirus, uh, which means that um, people in the hospitals, hospitals are going to make a lot of money, insurance is going to make a lot of money. Uh, government, uh, uh, people who have connections to the government in terms of purchasing um, uh, uh, respirators and masks and so forth and so on are going to make a lot of money. So, clearly, he would have no problem in terms of that kind of scenario because any scenario would say that rich people make more money, than the Orange Ministry supports that. So I don't think he necessarily would disagree with the deep state in terms of its uh, uh, use of coronavirus as a political tool in terms of consolidating control uh, in the United States or throughout the world.
3: I'd like to someone else take on the back. think, Brother from my take, arena article, it seemed like it was an inside play power struggle within the establishment of the, of the forces. You had those who wanted to uh, um, um, stage this, and then you had others who was in opposition to it, and it looked like it was a fight among them. That was just in terms of power relationship with the forces. They were both uh, as part of the establishment, but you got a set within were seeking to, um, I guess, try to pull down that will what they want. But that was my general take on it. Um, Brother Anthony, Moses, y'all
5: take on it. What did y'all get from this? How do y'all view that? Pizza uh I uh, I saw uh, that. Uh, I, I you know I was gonna, you, you, you know uh, you, you know I think that, I think it has some validity, given U.S. history that uh that 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 this was that 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 this was uh you know set up by uh by, by the u s government or at least the center of it and uh, you know and the thing about it though some some information we had discussed uh in, in uh in prior programs indicated that that uh you know that this that this isn't, um any uh, a naturally occurring virus, which I think people have to understand, is something that was uh, that 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 was uh, genetically engineered, and he did allude to that. And uh, and the thing about it, though, and they were uh, various private entities that were involved in the engineering of uh, of this particular virus in order. In, in in order to get rid of uh, you, you know sectors uh, of the population, and uh, and um, you know there was uh, there's an indication that uh, that China and Iran in particular suspect that the U.S. created this virus, and as a matter of fact, uh, Iran refused assistance uh, from the U.S. Uh, military uh for this reason uh that was something i had uh, uh read recently and uh so um, you know the, the uh you know i think it, i think the uh the, the video raises some valid- valid points that people need to be aware of
3: mari smooth y'all take on it
7: yes uh um, uh, I don't I don't want to cut in front of Brother Moses or, or Brother Jabari if they have have a point to make. Um, but okay, um, so basically uh, I'm a, I'm in agreement with the previous uh, panelists who who spoke about this um, United States American government. Um, the African people know around the world that you know we we already been <laughs> we had the worst of, of conditions ever. You know we we talking about slavery we talking about the Tuskegee experiment, we are talking about Sarah, you know, you know Sarah Bartman, Henry Lack. We talk about uh Chris Baker here in in, in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, uh, my hometown. So when you look at, you know, he he was robbing uh African graves of bodies and we talk about the first president George Washington right using teeth out of Af- uh, out of African's mouth. So um we 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 as African people, we know what we're dealing with uh it is definitely his. Uh, the, the, what he was saying in that video is, is very valid. It's very true, um, you know. And we, you know, we are the biggest threat. America used a lot of, you know, from from uh, gentrification, colonial colonization. They like to break up communities. They like to. They did it with Africa. They set up these borders. They did. They're doing it now with Palestine. They're breaking up Palestine to get it to their liking and Israel liking. I mean, it's, it's no. It's, no, it's nothing new. It's the same tricks as usual. Um, I wanted to speak early to the point that was made earlier about um, the attacks on Africans. They, I mean, they, uh, last week they attacked uh, spring breakers, uh, African spring breakers in Miami. They attacked them, uh, uh, dragged the girl on the ground, uh, put one brother in the headlock, but they talk about keep a six-feet radius, but they they quick to hop on us. You see what I'm saying? Um so, yeah, we have to be mindful i mean we you know we're dealing with this virus yeah you you have to be mindful and protect yourself. the same daily uh that you would do if you would have the flu, you know you have to wash your hands, you have to um you know use good hygiene uh take care of your health that's that's the manner of stuff, but like as for the self distancing you know as for all as for all of that. They've been wanting us to do that since we got off the boat on the plantation. They didn't want us to tap dance in, in slavery. They didn't want us to play drums in slavery. They didn't want us to do nothing. They didn't want us to have no type of communication. And it sickens me that we have African people, uh people like Con Condoleezza Rice and people like uh Colin Powell who sits on the um who sits on the Atlantic uh I forgot I gotta get the name, the Atlantic Commission, if you will, the Atlantic um Council. What is Council, thank you. They sit on the Atlantic Cap Council and they work right along with Facebook, with NATO, to try to undermine us. We, we, you know, we can't even post. We can't even post about the locusts that's taking place in Africa. I had a I had a post um uh, uh, uh posted about locusts in Africa and that was removed. A lot of posts are being removed, so it, 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 it's 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 yeah, you know, it's nothing new. Um, it is definitely definitely a class struggle, definitely near colonialism. And uh right here in America not only in africa right and not ain't not only not only in uh Brazil but right here in africa we got a um a big case of the ne- neo- uh colonialism um they they don't show they don't show us their hand you know if we were playing space the game would have been over already they don't showed us their whole hand man like i mean as as us as as the people though we just gotta become more organized at this point man i mean my good big grief you know we <laughs> How much of a more of an ass whooping we're going to continue to take as a people? I mean, the only way we're going to get out of uh, get out of this is the organization. You look back at history; that's what that's what got us out. And, and and you know, the people that have power. The, the colonial, uh, the capitalists, the imperialists, they they definitely know this, they, and that's why they are creating stuff like the Atlantic Council and you know, have Facebook. Every the community it used to be communities in the neighborhood. We used to talk and we used to do this. Everything was done in the community. Everything has now gone on, and I know Brother Jabari can 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 uh, agree with this. Everything has gone right on to you know to to uh, social media, to video games. My my man, I have nephews. Man, they don't even want to go outside. They want to play on an a, a, on an on a iPad. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying they want to play on a Nintendo Wii. They don't even go outside no more. They they think uh, building blocks or building uh, a fort can be done on Minecraft. So this this thing of technology. It's lethal, man. It's it's killing our so it's killing our social life and it's, it's, and, it's and it's trying to kill our communities, man. And we just got to be mindful. But this thing about social distancing, you know, you gotta. I mean, that's 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 nothing new. Like, come on, man. We you already know that you keep your distance and all of that. But you know, but you gotta you gotta uh as a, as a people, like I keep we keep saying on this show and on this platform and other platforms, we have to be politically uh organized you have to have a, you know I, I urge i urge any listener out there to please if you if this at least a form a study group man this this look at the current- uh current events read a newspaper man not not only just tune in to c n n uh they, they, come on man that's you know c n n is not not enough you will have to align yourself with a, with many news source uh resources you you know you can look at the commercial on outlet media outlets. You can look at, you know, uh, the New York Post. Uh, I mean, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Yeah, you can read read those entities. But I urge you to, you know, look at all entities. You know, you so uh, look at all outlets. The Atlanta uh, Atlanta Black Star, the Black Agenda Report, Africa on the Move. All of these resources. The New African Magazine. You better read a- everything that you possibly can read because going on social media. And this and that that's that's cool too. They said twenty percent of people um, get their information off social media, but and that's and that's cool and dandy. But you have to read. Um, Dr. Khalid Muhammad. I'm gonna quote quote him and then I'm gonna conclude. Dr. Khalid Muhammad stated that the worst thing to create was a television. He said he wanted to take his television and throw it in the garbage. Um, he, that's that's the most um, important thing. That stuck with me when he when he when he was here when when a brother sta- uh, stated that because that that's highly important because before the television was created we was um man we was moving uh, we was doing much more than what we are doing now we I mean we had our communities go- going and we had we had our, we was on the move really r- literally we was you know Africans was on the move before this damn television got popular and now we're in the social media age but. I conclude with that, man. We have to. You have to uh, read and politi- politically equip yourself uh, with information, and and, and you know, because once you read, man, you become more politi- politically mature. You'll understand that organization is, is important. You'll understand that the same um, the same uh, uh, strategies that we've been using, you know, what I'm saying, like uh, pro- uh, protesting at city council or city hall or at the White House or voting for somebody to to represent us in this bourgeois uh system is not is not it man. It's not the answer. it, it is definitely not it not it.
3: Brother Jabari, <clears throat> Brother Moses, y'all take yeah, on the here. video about Charles Jackson, the video where he talks about uh, the game that's being played with this so called virus, y'all response to the video. What well, you make of it?
6: I can appreciate the information conveyed, but I'm not going to make it look like a good cop, bad cop scenario in terms of 45 not having a role in what we're seeing. Now, he might be considered what they say lesser two evils, quote, unquote, but I'm not going to necessarily give him a pass as it seemed like the video was alluding to. <clears throat> but the thing that um, I found most interesting was that it's very interesting, even amongst themselves. As much um, as they do, where they come to a certain point where there's certain compromises that um, certain sides may not mean, um, be mean to make, and yet they're going to be in conflict, the same kind of conflict we should be engaging in. But yet again, when you talk about those two opposing sides, as brother Maurice alluded to, that's organization, organization with a lot of resources. So it's very interesting, particularly at this time, especially when you look. I see parallels with what's going on in Europe as well in terms of this kind of uh, disagreement on this scale in terms of what it could mean for this point in
2: history.
3: You have any thoughts on that, Brother Moses?
2: Yeah, um I, I find it interesting I'm mean, listening to the, to what's being said, um I did not get a chance to to view the video. Um I do do recognize that the US is capable of all sorts of atrocities and this this these have been historically documented. I mean, you know, the lies that got us into Vietnam. Uh, we we have a whole history of deception and uh and the the ruling class carrying out its plan of destruction and money making throughout the world. And uh so you know in nine eleven definitely the facialization process intensified after nine eleven uh uh I think julian Assange, um chelsea Mann and all the all the political prisoners that tried to expose the u s war atrocities uh have been put in jail or being charged with various uh, things um the repression is Continues, and so the fossilization process continues. I recognize that. However, I mean, I have, I have not jumped to the conclusion of this, you know, 9/11 inside job kind of thing, and these these um, conspiracy theories. Uh, I I have not bought into them yet. Uh, uh, but I do recognize the U.S. is capable of all sorts of atrocities. Thank you.
4: Okay. Let me uh, okay. let me just let me just okay. jump in let me just jump in real quickly here. Uh, you know one of the things you know when we talk about the coronavirus, and we did last last show we talked in depth about in terms of you know how these viruses were created by human beings in laboratories. Now it's interesting that you know when, when we talk about the 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 the, the, the various virus that make up the make up the coronavirus. It's very interesting that these same man-made viruses, uh, HIV, uh, MERS, SARS, and so forth and so on, it's very interesting that this, this coronavirus contains these very same viruses. So the thing is that one of the things that um, the virologist out of uh, Taiwan talked about, he talked about the fact that uh, viruses don't come from nothing. They have to come from something. And so as a catalyst, as a basis in terms of uh, creating the virus, People have to understand that without these man-made viruses, the coronavirus couldn't exist. Now we do understand that coronavirus, in terms of the everyday cold, does exist. But the coronavirus we're talking about is not the everyday cold. We're talking about something beyond the everyday cold. So, so clearly, you know, uh, there's much to be said in terms of uh, in terms of the U.S. complicity when it comes to forming, you know, you know, formatting and uh, disseminating viruses around the world. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not a new strategy. If we go back to, Vincent's, instance, if we go back to the Indians right here in America, one of the things that we we're very clear on, that they committed biological warfare against the Indians. What they do? Uh, they infected the blankets with smallpox. You Knowing damn well the Indians being trusting and, and honest and good people. Trusted them, and so therefore they accepted those van- those blankets in good faith, not knowing they were coated with uh, they 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 were infected with, with, with uh, what um excuse me smallpox. Now, in terms of China, and we talk about the the the, the opium wars in terms of how the the British, in particular, uh, coated the, the the country you know with with opium for its sole purpose in terms of you know uh, destroying people and hopefully you know and uh, and consuming the the cocaine. Uh, make them susceptible to all kind of diseases simply because cocaine does a horrible job in terms of a very good job in terms of undermining your immune system. So clearly, it's, it's, it's part of the strategy in mind. It was all about. It was really all about, you know, um, bio weaponry. That's what, that was the cocaine use was specifically for, not so much to get people high, but to debilitate, to undermine their 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 immune system to make them susceptible to all kind of infections. And also, we can't we we can't forget also in terms of um, here in here in America, when we talk about the, the the experiments in terms of viruses against uh, African prisoners. Uh, the book Acres of Skin talks in depth about that. So we 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 cannot forget that. Uh, we cannot think, brother, always talk about Kaski in terms of what they did in terms of infecting African allowing African men to be infected with syphilis and now to be untreated just to see the impacts. So there's a long history in terms of the West using viruses for, this, for political ends. So we, 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 so one is not naive about that. And brother Moses, like I got to tell you, when you, when you yeah, be careful about the conspiracy theory, because the thing is that you know when you start saying conspiracy theory, it's precisely what they want you to say, because what, what, what they, what they spend a lot of time doing is convince people that whenever one so exposes the truth, it becomes conspiracy theory. It's a way of undermining what, 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 what people have to say in terms of what the government is, is actually doing. Uh so when you talk about um when you talk when you talk about uh, someone like um um uh Chelsea Manning, or if you talk about um um uh, uh what's, what's what's the brother in Russia? Um um I can't think of the name. Not Asaj. He's in he's in the UK. But the brother in Russia the with the computer analyst. Uh I he's on with the glasses, he's on top of my Eric Snowden, yeah. Snowden, 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 yeah. Snowden, mm-hmm. yeah. Snowden, yeah. So initially when they came out with that information, of course, it was the government attempted to discredit what they had to say, even though what they're saying was very, very true, but they attempted to discredit it anyway. And so we got to understand that, uh, and, I, and it's just important we understand this, that a lot of information that we receive is, 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 is leaked by people who are on the inside. They know it's wrong, and they leak the information. Conversely, we also understand that the government would sometimes leak information so as to uh, misdirect. So we do understand that exists. But certain something like um, something like the World Trade Center in terms of 9-11, if you go back and look at the history of the World Trade Center, that's very clear. I mean, that's, that's, that's no way, you can, that's no way you can refute it. This is why when, it, when, it, when the U.S. government did a report on 9-11, one of the things that they did was they interviewed Tim Kaine, the former governor of New Jersey, uh, in terms of the to hit up a panel to dis, to to study of nine eleven. Tim I mean Tom King did nothing in terms of debunking all these information out there pertaining to nine eleven, but what he did attempt to do was to simply say that uh well, you know, it was it was, it, was, it was a it was a horrible thing, you know, the, the the terrorists carried it out, you know, and it's not gonna happen again. And that was it. All the information pertaining to the intimacies in terms of what actually happened, Tim Kane didn't touch. The reason why he couldn't touch it because it was legit. That's why he couldn't, attest, couldn't touch it. You know? only, and not only that, if you go to New York City yourself and you talk to the people who, who, who live in that area in terms of what happened during 9-11, they'll tell you about the explosions. They'll tell you that building number nine refused to come down while the other buildings, one, one come down, then one later, then the other one comes down, irrespective of not being hit by, being hit by the airplane. And they'll tell you about that. So the question is, so, so what's going on? They also, one of the things that when they, when they and I, I'm getting off the subject, but let me just say this real quickly. One of the things in terms of, um, when we talk about liquid thermite in terms of, you know, um, you know the, 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 the explosives they use on the World Trade Center in terms of making it possible for it to come down. But if, keep in mind, the, the planes in top of the building, that's science, that is a fact. The planes in top of the building, the buildings imploded, they came straight down. Now, if you know, if you know nothing about physics, if he has any common sense, then you know if you hit something, it reacts. It doesn't go straight down. Even if you hit a man, if you're fighting a man, let's say if you're boxing, you hit the guy in the head, he don't just or he, he don't just go straight down. There's some reaction. When you, If you slow it down, you see that he go back, then down. He don't go straight down. He goes back, then down. There's a reason behind that because of the physics in terms of motion. And so, therefore, if you go back and look at the history in terms of 9-11, brother, I'm telling you, that's the way where you can conclude it's a conspiracy. This is the reason why the media w- w- re- dropped it, refused to talk about it, because people begin to catch on. And the more—I I could go on and on, brother, about that, but I'm not going to do that, because we're not, we're not talking about 9-11. But in any event, I just want to say that we've got to be careful about in terms of you know, doing the government's bidding when we cut our things as conspiratorial, when in fact, you know, uh, if, we, if we really get some thought to it, we begin to understand that a lot of these things are real. And if we can substantiate it in terms of documentation, then it's not conspiratorial.
3: You know, one of the things i like to put out before we go on our next break, station break, and I'd like to get your response to this video that the brother raised, which has somewhat been sort of consistent with other sources that have been out there and when they're looking at this question, what's going on with the virus? he continued to raise the same issues that many of these scientific, you know, um doctors and researchers and other forces are saying about one, when they put on T V about these people catching um have symptoms. They don't have the virus except they have symptoms. There's a difference between symptoms and actually having the virus. Now we had done some programs a year ago or more where we talk about the Rodin pharmaceuticals companies in the near future, will play a role in creating viruses solely for the purpose to make money. They will create viruses so they can make money. And he alluded to the fact that the way this thing is going down is that they will have movie stars, other people, put them in front of the camera saying they, they, they got the virus when they don't, only symptoms, but they put them out there so they can create this feel. But not only do they only just have symptoms, but the essence of actually acquiring the virus will occur when one goes to the medical centers and to the hospitals and when they claim that you need a vaccination, they give you the vaccination and by getting you the vaccination and at that point where they actually are getting you the virus. And that's when you become, you know, at risk of dying and stuff and die. Not at stage of what people are doing now saying they just got these symptoms. And it's recognized even right now, they really don't have an actual virus for this stuff. They have different things where they can, you know, deal with it, treat it, but they have not came up with a specific virus just for this so-called virus. So I just find that to be consistent to many information and sources, you know, who have put information out saying, don't take these shots and don't trust that. Y'all response to that that narrative?
5: A couple of things, um, you know, the you know the you know in that regard, brother Africa. Uh, let's one is the fact that uh, uh, you know symptoms. It could it, it doesn't necessarily, you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have the coronavirus itself. Uh, uh, let's see, you could have a flu, or uh, or, or 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 possibly a serious cold. Or uh, you know, or, or it could be a fever and um, and, uh, and the thing and the thing about it though, or it could be, and it could be you, you have uh, a possibility a person has underlying health issues, most common being at a certain age, or you know, or other health issues. And given uh, you know uh, the poor quality of health care in the African community, there are a lot of African staff underlying health issues, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, et cetera. And uh, so, so that's something that people need, need to be aware of. And that, uh, you know, in lieu of uh, vaccinations, there are ways of treating and alleviating, which have also been, been, been put out by, uh, you know, by various sources uh and uh so uh you know so as uh you know uh you know uh uh brother marisa pointed out earlier, you know taking appropriate uh you know precautions to care for your health uh you know and uh you know and uh you know and there were some certain remedies that were suggested like drinking a lot of hot fluids like soups uh tea and whatnot. You know, uh, you know, would uh, uh, alleviate the effects of that. But, uh, but I think one of the things that came out of this documentary is the fact that uh, that uh, you know don't take the vaccine for this coronavirus because that you know you'll be infected with it. You know, so uh, you know I think uh, so. Uh, you know, uh, there's no saying that knowledge is power, and I think it's important that people. Uh, keep informed.
2: I have I have a, uh, have a hard time with this situ this theory because uh, for one thing it involves China and and the situation in China and what's going on in China and and I just this I mean the information information is power but you know. I, this this is very very deep. I don't know. I have to study. Thank you, brother brother Moses. We
4: we we are, we are, we appreciate your uh, your candor. We really do. And uh, that's what it's all about. It's all about really, you know, when we talk about these issues, really, you know, be able to substantiate and actually talk about these issues from a television perspective. Not simply because we feel that way, but because the information leads us to feel that way so uh so so your point is understood and uh the thing is that when you, when you talk about china one thing you gotta understand that china with, with 1.4 billion people that's a lot of people in fact china is oh. the number one economy in the world and so china has every reason in the world to play ball with the world establishment in terms of trade because simply because it's in their best interest to continue trade uh because you got one in part because you got 1.4 billion four billion people and plus you want to create a different paradigm for the world, and the only way you can achieve that paradigm is to have uh, friendly relations, particularly coming to economics with nations around the world. So we can reason that China doesn't have an incentive in terms of creating that virus. It's simply wouldn't serve China's interests. Uh, remember, China had to spend a lot of money in terms of erecting, you know, these these hospitals real quickly to treat its people. Uh, that was that 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 was a that was an impact that impacted their economy, and that's something they don't want to do. So there's no real incentive in terms of China creating the, the, uh, the coronavirus. Now, think about the United States. Why would the United States increase, create the coronavirus? Clearly, well, well, i tell you, the economy is unstable. The economy is so in, indebted that there's no way to overcome that debt. The only way to get out of that debt is to destroy this total system and, and erect a new one. That's the only way they can get out of debt. Uh, corporations are highly indebted. In fact, I talked about, in fact, in terms of the junk bonds, in terms of usefulness, in terms of, you know, uh, financing corporations. Some of the corporations, even the capitalists, don't want to trade, with, want to provide money to corporations because their because their budgets are so poor. So America has put an incentive in terms of co- uh, innovating the coronavirus. And keep in mind, you got a lot of you got you got 375 million people in this country. You know, and, and, uh, many of which. Don't vote. So you can say the discontent with the society is, is is growing leaps and bounds. And so they understand that. And so they also understand that, given the society in which people are in a position to actually discuss things or people to actually share information, that they understand that's an implicit threat in terms of people's ability to to get access to information. And so therefore, their thing is they're up against the wall. They realize the only way they're going to have longevity, the only way they can maintain control, is that they got to rip whip up hysteria they got to create a situation in which people are so fearful you know that they do anything the government tells them to do they got to make sure you know in in terms of by eliminating people particularly older people you do a lot in terms of saving savings in terms of expenditures because more old people are eliminated then you have to worry about payments in terms of things like social security and medicaid medicare and so on and so on so clearly, America has America has the incentive, and it certainly has the motivation in terms of, you know, um, uh, of uh, coronavirus, simply because the ruling class understands it's in their interest to do so. They're just buying time. Because keep in mind, we all understand in terms of the flow of history, no country stays on top forever. The United States is no different, but they're very arrogant. The hubris that exists among the elite in America is unprecedented. Uh, they make even the UK leadership look tame uh, by comparison. So, so clearly, you know, they understand that they got a lot to lose, and they're desperate. And so, the coronavirus is just an extension of des- des- desperation. So, when we when you talk about the five hippotypes, you know, when you talk about these these coronaviruses, five different strains of of, of coronavirus existing, and they only exist in America. Well, if you tell me that these these same viruses are different, these different strains exist throughout the world. Then they can only come from one place, because the other countries only have one strand. America has five. So in order for you to have these five different strains, uh, uh, uh manifest themselves throughout the world, they can only come from one place. It's America. It's not rocket science. It's not conspiratorial. It's a fact. So anyway, I'll close with that, and but brother Moses, keep on struggling.
7: Uh, can I make a point?
3: Yes, uh, my mic
7: is open. I'll uh, uh, just to add to... um. Uh, uh, Brother Haki's point: everything he explained, we can sum it up in one word: industrialization. Uh, China was able to to have the capacity that does, to have the economic system that it has due to industrialization. Industrialization. Uh, one thing that Kruma made a, a, a critical point of uh, is industrializing our uh, the resources. The main, the, I'm sorry, the raw resources come out of Africa. Imagine Africa, if you will, was you, um unified a unified socialist africa on the level of, of china imagine the, the factories that we can build and the resources that we can build and the, and the things that we can build on a, a socialist system where we would be at right now. Industrialization is highly important um and that's how you know china china and you know that's what china understands that's how it is on the level that is on and you know we got to look at it when the african when we went into- uh uh colonial uh colonialism. Of colon, being colonized, we went in there with the hope We had the tool called the hope When we came out of um, colonization, we still had that same tool, the whole. Um Even if you look at the Zulu War with the with the with the Europeans in Africa, what Shaka did, Shaka Shaka created the a, a sword. I, I can't uh, I can't pronounce it correctly. guy, exactly. That was a level of development. That was the level of development, and what the Europeans did—they went back to the drawing board um, and created a Gatling gun. They had that—they they had that understanding of, ma- of of production and and um, you know developing. Uh, they came out with a Gatling gun to basically uh, win that war against our ancestors, the Zulu, and therefore you you know that that, that that's what we have to that's the that's a huge point that the was trying to get us to understand is that level. Of industrialization and 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 I and I just I just wish that we had that um uh we have more of that on it uh I, I should say for more of the leaders if you will who I ain't even gonna say them because the leaders we 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 already quite, we already know what we dealing with when we talking about the leaders but the real leaders that we had in the sixties and Kwame Lumumba um, I believe if they would have if they would have sufficed If the government would have went their way we would, it would have been a different playing field right now. Because that that word of uh, now, uh, along with organization, industrializ- industrializing um, our resources, uh, you know, and, and and it's very critical for Africa now with the level, you know, of development we at at this point and in, and in uh, ser- seriousness of this um this coronavirus. But I just want to add that point to um to Brother Haki's point that 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 thing industrial industrialization is important. Yeah. Could I add something about Africa?
3: as yours after
7: sure,
5: and I want to add uh you know in the in the things of uh, of uh in industrialization, I agree with the points that were raised earlier uh and uh and that takes a high level of organization which a United States of Africa would bring about now what i want wanted to add also to to get back to the point about the coronavirus uh uh Y'all might recall the interview we, we checked out last week with Dr. Um, Alim Muhammad, in which she pointed out that uh, the coronavirus was developed by a researcher out of uh, John Hopkins University. I forget the European's name. And, uh, but he was funded by uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation bill gates is uh is a eugenicist in addition to being uh, you know the founder of uh of, of microsoft and uh, and uh you know he and for the last uh ten to twenty years he's been advocating the depopulation of Africa. So uh so so well, you know, so I just uh you know, I think what I think I I bring it up to remind people that uh that 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 that, that, that it is that it is probable that uh that the coronavirus did indeed originate in the US and not in China. And uh China has uh suit and so does Iran because they believe that uh, that that the US was involved in in, in its development and uh and the u and the u s incentive well one is the fact that that they've been trying to economically strangle Iran and venezuela for nearly a decade and uh so uh so 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 to, to bring out uh this instability inculcates fear and uh, perpetuates imperialist domination which can only last so long because truth, truth crushed earth will eventually, uh, you, you know, come out.
7: And and, 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 and add, add to the point about Bill Gates. Bill Gates uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he did a he did a um, it's on YouTube. You can pull it right up. He did a a presentation on TED Talks on the TED Talk pl- platform, and Bill Gates stated that uh, he was talking about his experience as a child. Dealing with um, uh, a war, I think it was a uh, World War Two, um, and and how you know he was saying about missiles and all of that being used, and then he was saying in today's world, present day world, uh, viruses is the um, is 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 hey, I, I don't I don't want to um I don't want to mess up what he said, but basically he said basically what he was saying, and you can like I said, you can pull this up because I want people to see it I want people to get the information for themselves, um, not just go by hearsay, but Basically, basically, what he was saying that uh, the virus is the new weapon. Um, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a race. It's not a arms race anymore. It's, it's, it's more this, this thing of war is going to transform to to uh, to biochemical, biological, biochemical warfare. biological, warfare. Thank you. And you can go pull this up, man. He said this himself on a TED Talk platform. Um, so that, you know he's, he's telling you he's, he in connection with brother Anthony stated. Telling you what's going on, he's telling you what what what, uh, what what they what they're doing and what they're about. Um, it's it's, it's not it's no coincidence that he. Mhm. I'm sorry.
3: No, go ahead. go ahead, brother. Um, um, brother Maurice, finish your point. My mistake. Oh
7: no. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm just going to say I'm gonna wrap up right now. I'm just going to say like it's no. I'm just making a point that, you know, it's no it's no coincidence that um uh, you know, Bill Gates he putting all his money as he saying into Africa and all of this stuff. And taking the food, taking the rice, making plastic rice, and all this stuff, right? The grains, it's no, it's no, it's it's no um, coincidence in the research. You only got to you know research um, and read. And this is this is credible source, sources as for well. this. It's, it's coming out of his mouth. <laughs> I to I clue with that, man.
3: But not only is the biological part of the ongoing biological warfare that they have created and will continue to be. Another form of warfare. They even taking these warfares out out of the earth atmosphere, out of space. They are designing equipment and tools out of space just to fight and create walls. Not only out of space, but they also got technology now. They are developing to have walls under the water, under the oceans. So if you look at the history and their particular
1: policies, that's very true.
3: If you look at that, um, yes, from Africa. Policy is continuing. Yes, sir, Brother
6: Jabari. You know, it's very interesting. You made the comment you did because I'm looking at an article, and this article has a particular document where there's a patent from 2018, and it has the word of the day coronavirus. Hmm. hmm. And as yes, you heard me, also, you heard me correctly. That's right. A patent, meaning that that means there will have to be conjured somewhere in a laboratory, somewhere created, and someone owns the rights to said word. So who knows how much money somebody's getting paid? Because that's the point of getting something patented. If the word is used, you're getting paid. So yet again, you see games being played.
4: Also speaking of ga- games, is- spe- speaking of games, real quickly, uh, remember uh, in Dean Koos book, The Eyes of Darkness. Where they talk about a biological weaponry, and they called it Wuhan 400. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that the so-called epicenter of uh, coronavirus happened in Wuhan, China? It's interesting, just to throw that out there.
3: And to add to another source of game being played by the High King, many people tell you if you get an old Lysol cane on the back on it, this was been several years ago. They had to wear a, corona, a coronavirus, written on the Lysol cane, in which you could use uh, for you could use Lysol to kill the virus. They had to wear a coronavirus. How did you explain that?
4: Brother Africa. Yeah. yeah, but the coronavirus, but the cor, but you do have codes that consist of coronavirus, but it's not the same coronavirus we're talking about. We're talking about coronavirus yeah. has biological uh, implications. So we're talking about a different kind of coronavirus. Now, in terms yeah, of common cold, it's COVID nineteen,
5: huh? COVID nineteen yeah. is what we're talking about. Yeah, right. And that's so so the, and that's the, that's in the natural strain. And there are some and there are some naturally occurring viruses, uh, corona, but uh, but this uh, but but this one that. Uh, that we're talking about is a, is a man-made one, doesn't occur naturally.
4: Yeah, yeah so when Lysol talks about the coronavirus, they're simply something pertaining to a cold, and, and that's, that's correct. But what we're talking about has bioweaponry implications. So we're talking about a totally different virus. So we're talking about something that's cool. manufactured, specifically for the sole purpose of impacting people, affecting their cells and ultimately uh, creating such deterioration in the human body that they die. So we're talking about a different thing.
3: But panelists, I must get you all to weigh in on this issue here it was very important and said something about just the essence of a capitalist system, the essence of the, the u s political economic system, the essence of the confusion the ignorance and the arrogance of the american people we sat, sat here today talking about let's get rid of the virus because we don't want people to die. We're against that. While at the same time, the same so-called virus that is taking place in countries like Cuba, Venezuela, um, um, Iran, they're affected with the same kind of virus, and the U.S. continue to keep a blockade against these countries from getting the proper medical materials and medicines to be able to help their people fight the virus. What kind of people can sit back and say, "I only have a concern for people heal as it relates to the virus, but do nothing to assist other people of the world from the same virus"? And one of the biggest contradictions from all this is one of the major countries they're trying to kill with the virus, which is Cuba. Is one of the major countries that is offering hope and possibilities of resolving and eradicating the virus. Y'all response to that? When mm-hmm. is American people gonna be held responsible for that lack of inactivity? Of saying, look, you can no longer function under their name. Going around the world, doing to others that you don't want done to you. Y'all response? Well. I-
4: well, I think there's a certain amount of complacency that exists in the mind of people born in the U.S. I think this notion that they are better than others, I think it's a theme that, that resonates with a lot of people. And they're not going to tell you that, but I think it does. Uh, so when they see the kind of coronavirus impacting people in the world, particularly people of color, they, they're, not, they're not concerned. Hell, they're not even concerned about coronavirus affecting people of color right inside the United States. And so you know they don't care about people outside of the United States of color who are impacted by or potentially impacted by coronavirus. So I think this kind of arrogance. I think this is a, this is this is a, this is this goes right to the point, brother Africa. Part of the problem in terms of bringing about substantive change in society is because a lot, even though we we critique the government in terms of the kind of policies that uh, it uh, utilizes in terms of exportation of its people, but what we don't talk about is how many people inside this country identify with those policies, who support those policies hook, line, and sinker. And so, therefore, when you talk about destruction of folks, and you think that it's, is, is, you find it rather odious, there are a lot of people in society who love to see the destruction of other people, who love it. Uh, and 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 how do you explain that? When you talk about Christian fundamentalists, how do you, how is the person who said they loved Christ? How is the person who said they love Christ, to turn around and justify, in their mind, destruction of people, based upon uh, esoteric, uh, 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 based upon esoteric, uh criteria. So clearly, Brother Africa, the problem is that a lot of people have have, a, have these, 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 these quote-unquote lack of a better term, these American values, uh, which a lot of this destruction serves their interests. They don't have a problem with it. So America is probably the most inhumane people on the planet, and that's just the core reality
5: of it all. Mm. That goes back uh, to... Um, a uh, look uh, an examination of U.S. history a little bit will, let, uh, you know, will partly explain this. Uh, the U.S. was founded on based on violence. I mean, they uh, they ruthlessly uprooted the indigenous peoples and nations of this hemisphere uh, to, to to establish this country, and they ruthlessly used violence and terrorism uh to uh uh to get African labor uh to uh to build institutions that make up this society so you have what you have is a uh, is a, is a country that was built by violence if you look at its history carefully, which a lot of people don't do and uh every political figure talks about on occasion how great America is. And there are a large sector of people that buy, that swallow that hook line the sinker, and therefore, and, and, and it's as if uh, you know other people in the world don't matter, and uh, so uh, so you got this, uh, you, and so that's where that American arrogance comes from, and then when people travel. They don't understand why you know, people around the world hate America so much because of that arrogance, and it's a consequence of, uh, of capitalism carried out uh, at, uh, you know, at, at, at its uh, highest stage, imperialism. And like all imperialist powers uh, the, uh, uh, the ruling class believes it, it'll it'll, it'll, be, it'll exist forever but uh, but but if you look at history, all empires believe that but, uh, and all impi- uh, empires fought to preserve their existence and uh and and that's what you see uh you know going on with the us
3: If he says, won't put an but end to the virus,
5: the Africa.
3: African community, for one second, Brother Marvis, to the culture of African community, all yes, free love people, make a serious contribution by fighting for and asking for the end to the blockade against Cuba. Yes, Brother Marvis. Brother, Africa, you alluded to the point. against Not only a blockade against Cuba, but all countries, Cuba, um, Zimbabwe, Venezuela, Iran, but definitely put an end to the blockade of Cuba. They are in the forefront of fighting this battle, of having the technology and the history to create things that would benefit all mankind. Yes, Maurice.
7: Real real briefly, real briefly, I know we're tight on time. Uh, I hope my phone don't cut off. It usually just automatically shut out around the time. Um. Earlier you alluded to the point of of these powers to be, uh these capitalist powers to be having um having the uh power to manipulate weather and water. I just wanna take our attention real brief to an article uh that was written by uh brother uh ba before and Anko, and coma. He's an um editor of the New African magazine and you can you know, you can find his magazine uh in Barnes and Nobles, um uh, come out every month. But it, it, it gives a lot of good information. Uh, I'm going to take us back uh, to last year with the uh, with the cyclone, the hurricane that hit Zimbabwe. Um, it was alluded. It was alluded that that hurricane could have been a method of geophysical warfare. Uh, warfare. They talks about this real brief. I just want to read this and I'm gonna conclude. In the article, it stated that a 1996 New York Times article in which America's leading newspaper wrote about the U.S. military's recent success in short-term short rainmaking as a weapon of war. So I conclude with that. These people are built on weapons, weaponizing every damn thing, um, so, and, and utilizing for their, for, their, for their capitalist power. So I just, wanted to, um, I just wanted to add that information to the point you was making when you, uh, when you, when you stated that they're using space and they're using water and weather. Uh, I just wanted to make that point.
3: And, panelists, in closing, your final thoughts since we can say if people raise, is this, um, this can't be real. There's one other piece of incident or information that came out there, I found an interest, and I'd like each one of y'all to respond to it. There's an article that's titled, Before Trump Inauguration, a warning. The worst inferential pandemic since 1918. In that article, please Google it and read it. It talks about where the Obama administration, transition administration, was creating scenarios that is identical to what is taking place now with the Trump administration. To tell them they must get prepared for it, because this will may and will happen. But when you read it closely, for political, for for political. They have actually documents where they discuss in detail how the so-called possibility may take place, and parallel identical to what is taking place now. Your response to that and
2: your final thoughts. Side with you, brother Moses. You know, um, this I'm, I'm I'm learning uh, each night. Uh, I hope to study this situation and get get better understanding. Uh, um, Certainly, there are a lot of facts. I mean, a lot of facts, and how to tie them together is it, becomes an ideological problem. Uh, um, and um, you know, I'm I'm determined to get to to the bottom of uh, the issues and uh, take the correct stand uh, in the interest of the vast masses of the people and the working, struggling people of this this world need. Need definite answers, and we are fighting a, a vicious uh, enemy that knows no no respect of person, uh, class, or sex, or anything, and uh, just a very dangerous, dangerous uh, disease. And I hope that we stay good to it. Thank you.
3: We'd like to thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's program. And next, we'll go to Brother Maurice. Your final thoughts for tonight, Brother Maurice. In response to the
7: article uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you And final final comments Just want to thank you so much for having this uh, platform Thank you for having uh, The wonderful p- uh, panel that's here tonight And having me to uh, Having the privilege to be uh, You know be um, Contribute or um, To add to be with the To be on the panel as well uh, I just wanted to thank uh, thank you for that and if you can, can you uh, uh, refresh me about the question that you want us to, to comment on?
3: Comment on the issue that back in 2017, the Obama administration was trying to prepare the, the, the uh, Trump administration to be prepared for an academic a, a, a academic like this would take place during his time period. They refused to heed to him, to listen to him, and it feels strange how they could have create such a scenario that plays out identical to what is happening now three years later?
7: Hmm. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm going to let the other panelists comment on it because it's kind of, you know, anything I say, this and I, shall, and I pass the mic. Um, Anything coming from in any of these presidents, you got to take it with a grain of salt. You can't, you know, you you, you can't um, believe like Obama. People love Obama because of, of symbol, symbolic reasons, but um, good old fashioned Barry, um, I can't. I can <laughs> What he was saying, yeah, he probably he probably was uh, has some truth to what he's saying. What what, what we dealing with now, but it, it's it's hard for me as a revolutionary to take that man seriously. So I'm, I'm going to pass the mic. Okay, to
3: Bobby, you'll find it to us for tonight.
6: In response to the question, it definitely um, reminds us that when you're in the capitalist system, commodifying is everything. And if you look at our budgets, it's amazing how for defense and militarism, we'll go through the roof, but when it comes to health care, there's a drastic difference. But in regards to the program, like I said, in capitalism, commodifying this, everything, and understand that the reality we're in where now all of a sudden all students are given food to eat, why can't it be even without us, COVID-19 or anything like that? Why couldn't they have those resources met anyway? All of a sudden all these people get access to all these resources. Well, if we didn't have we're the situation we were in, How would it now all of a sudden we can come up and provide? So it goes to show you in terms of how things are constructed. And a crisis is what only exists when they want it to exist. Peace.
3: Thank you, Brother Bobby, for your contribution to today's program. And we now move to Brother Afton. Brother Afton?
5: Yes, and answer uh, to your question, oh, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, on the program tonight, and uh, and thanks to all the fellow panelists um, and the listening audience. Um, this was an exercise, part of the transition process from one administration to another, and um, and so this exercise of simulating a pandemic. Was uh, was designed to prepare the Trump administration to deal with with one if if it ever if it ever arose during the course of his administration. However, uh, uh, it seemed like a lot of the people that participated in the exercise were disinterested, and also since that uh, transition period. Uh, there's been about uh, two thirds uh, uh, turnover of Trump's admi- uh, administration, so a lot of people that were at that exercise are no longer in uh, Trump's administration. So, uh, so you know, so uh, you know, uh, you know, so you know, you have a situation in which you know various government agencies are scrambling, trying to figure out you know, uh, you know what to do. And I think that's why, you know, uh, you, you know, the response, you know, to the situation has been, uh, has been so lacking uh, from a point of view. And also uh, just want to conclude by saying that in order to defeat a system like this, it's going to take organization and political education, and, uh, and we need to stay wide awake and, and be aware and organize
3: And hey, how can they find out More information about your organization Brother Anthony
5: Certainly uh, They can either uh, visit our website At wwwa aprp org, Or contact us At 202-246-4896 uh, for more information about the All African People's Revolutionary Party.
3: And speaking mm-hmm. of the importance of organizations, one thing A uh to Move on to emphasize is for our people to join some organizations that join some of our people and we still have a brother Maurice with us. Brother Maurice, is there any kind of contact information you'd like to share with our listening audience? Or well, folks may be interested sure. in your organization as well.
7: Sure, uh, I am a member of the uh, PRSP Pan African Revolutionary Socialist Party. It's uh, a sister and a brother. It's a, it's a sibling of the AA All African People Revolutionary Party uh, GC, or you know, or, or you know, it's definitely a relative. So basically, they can visit the website at www.prsp. Um, let me make sure I'm giving out the right prsponline.com. So yes, www.prsponline.com. Um, you can you check us out there, and we have calendars. Car- currently, we have calendars for sale for our um, fundraiser that we're doing. So ch- uh, check us out, and um, still we're still working on the Crime and Chroma Second Annual Crime and Chroma Conference here in Richmond, Virginia. We're still trying to uh, work out the technical location techn- uh, technicalities and and. And that, and that, and that forth. So we, I would follow up in the future with more information about the conference. But thank you. Thank you, uh, Brother Africa. Thank you.
1: And
3: Brother Haki, your final thoughts and response to the article and final thoughts for tonight.
4: Yeah, just to reiterate, uh, African awareness will be going to Cuba. Trip takes place July 24th, July 31st. For more information, give us a call, 804 804- 549-7492, or area code 202-714-9435, or email us at African Awareness Association, all one word, number two, at gmail.com. And my response to your question, about Africa, is I believe you're talking about Event 21, and the mere fact that they, they, they knew about this virus down the road uh, speaks values in terms of organization that exists you know, on that level. Uh clearly everything they do is organized, uh, uh is debated. Uh only particulars in terms of how it carried out I've discussed. So clearly, you know, uh we talk about a very organized entity when we talk about um, Western imperialism, and particularly US imperialism. So that's my response to that. And of course Brother Africa as usual I encourage people, you know, um to 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 to, to read more. Um Understand what's happening. Uh, the bottom line is that uh, you know the, the writing's on the wall. The choice is ours to make. So, having said that, brother Africa, I'm gonna wish you a good night. And of course, I always encourage people to unravel the matrix. And uh, you have a good night.
3: We'd like to thank you as well, brother Aki, for your contribution to today's program. And just for that, listening audience, read in the article. Get a chance. Google the titled article before Trump's inauguration and warning the worst influenza pandemic since 1918. To our listening audience, friends, and supporters, we'd like to thank you for giving us this opportunity to come into your homes this evening where we can speak truth to power and to provide you with information so you can use it as a tool for liberation. There are so many things going on in our world today, and we'd just would like to warn you, until you be very vigilant, try to learn all you can, and just remember, there's more to this virus. Until next time, we're we'll to go forward, Apple, backwards, with We'll see you next week. You have the emergence in human society of this thing
8: that's called the state. What is the state? The state is this organized bureaucracy. It is the police department.
1: It is the Army, the Navy. It is the prison system, the courts, and what have you. This is the state. It is a repressive organization. But the state... You, you know, you've got to have the police, because if there were no police, look at what you'd be doing to yourselves.
8: Yeah, I like You know how we think. Organize the hood under I Ching banners. Red, black, and green instead of gang bandanas. FBI spying on us through the radio antennas. And I'm hitting cameras in the street like watching society. With no respect for the people's right to privacy. I take a slug for the cause like Huey P. While all you fake niggas try to copy Master P. I wanna be free to live. Able to have what I need to live. Bring the power back to the street where the people live. Sick of working for crumbs and filling up the prisons. Dying over money and relying on. No religion for help We do for self like ants in a colony Organize a welcome to a socialist economy A way of life based off the common need. And all my comrades is ready We just in the seed To have a black male Live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white man, And the people don't never get justice And the women don't never get respected And the problems don't never get solved And the jobs don't never pay No more bondage, no more political monsters, no more secret space launches, government departments started it in the projects, material objects, thousands up in the closets, could have been invested in the future for my comrades, battle contacts, primitive weapons out in combat, many never come back, pretty niggas be running with gas, rather get shot in their back than fire back, we're tired of that, corporations hiring blacks. Denying the facts, exploiting us all over the map That's why I write the shit I write in my rap It's documented, I'm it Every day of the week, I live in it, breathing it It's more than just fucking believing it I'm holding in one, rolling up my sleeves and shit It's C-Lo for push-ups now, many headed for one conclusion Niggas ain't ready for revolution The average black male, live a third of his life in a jail cell Cause the world is controlled by the white male And the people don't never get justice And the women don't never get respected. And the problems don't never get solved. And the jobs don't never pay enough. So the rent always be late. Can you relate? we living in a
1: police state.
9: Thank you for your welcome. We have been allotted uh, half an hour, and uh, within this half an hour, we are to explain some of the lessons of the movement of the 60s, and, uh, its relationships of the 80s, and relevance to the 21st century. I have picked about uh, five areas that I, I have picked about five areas which I would like to uh, discuss the first lesson that we can come to look from the sixty and gain is the understanding that the statement made by Abraham Lincoln is a true statement you can fool some of the people some of the time but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time this statement can be understood within the context of United States imperialism and its role in the late fifties in the late fifties Based on the resolutions passed at the 5th Pan-African Congress in 1945, a decision was made that Africans the world over must create mass organizations and mass movements to confront colonialism in Africa and the Caribbean in the final round and also to confront racism and economic exploitation in the United States. From 1945 to 1960, within 15 short years of this conference over 230 million Africans were to gain independence swiftly following in that wake the Caribbean was to light a fire with independence movement and of course the United States of America itself beginning its mass movement since the mid-50s with Martin Luther King and the Montgomery boycott came to show mass movements everywhere The American capitalist system in the wake of the independence struggle in Africa was trying everywhere to demonstrate to countries just struggling against colonial powers in Europe that it was not like the European powers that it was not racist, it was democratic, it never had colonies, etc, etc. The African masses in America came to put that lie to a rest quickly. Mass struggle inside the country came to demonstrate before the entire world that America was far from being a democratic country. It came to demonstrate in fact that countries in Africa were much further advanced in democracy than America ever was. Here at least Africans can vote, in America they could not. One of the lessons then that we must draw squarely from the sixties is an understanding That real struggle must be left and must be understood only by the masses of the people. It is the masses of the people who could not believe the lies of America and came to struggle instinctively against these lies. This instinctive struggle must be properly understood. History, of course, is made both consciously and unconsciously. Last month in Miami... Africans came to unconsciously make history by revolting against brutal conditions and pushing humanity forward But this was instinctive, unconscious, unplanned Indeed this is the same aspect of the struggle that we saw in the 60's Instinctive struggle Thus, if we're to draw a conclusion just from this aspect of struggle That is to say the people struggling unconsciously, unplanned, spontaneously and instinctively That since people have an instinctive love of freedom, everywhere they will struggle for freedom. The history of Africans in America proved this clearly. Nowhere have they consciously organized to make advance. All the advances they have made have been unconscious, instinctive, and spontaneous. Certainly you can understand what will happen when these people become thoroughly organized. The lessons then must be clear. Human beings, like animals of the lower form, have instincts human beings unlike animals of the lower form have the ability to think and reason the lesson then must be clear all of our instincts at all times under all conditions must be governed by reason the instinctive struggle of the 60s the spontaneous struggle of the 60s the unconscious struggle of the 60s, if they, are served to, if they are to serve to us as lessons, must come to be qualified in conscious movements, rational movements, and planned movements. This then seems to me to be the first lesson that we would have to acquire from the 60s. Of course, the capitalist system lies all the time. Some people think it lies some of the time, but it lies all of the time. And in lying, it has an attempt to make us think that in the 60s we were an organized people and everything was all right. We were not organized. We were a mobilized people. Thus are we to get a heavy lesson from the 60s. The lessons must be clear. Immobilized people, really, and instinctive people, a spontaneous people who struggle, struggle like animals. Even if we take the example of Miami, we can see it clearly here. In Miami, we're oppressed just like we are everywhere else. But we wait until an outside force provokes us into action. Everywhere you will see us, it is always an outside force that provokes the African masses into action, even on the campus here. I told some mothers the other day, you want to organize all the African students on the campus? I can do it overnight. All I got to do is write a filthy sign, derogatory against them, put them on the campus. Next day they all come to the meeting. <laughs> And one of the errors that must be corrected a people struggling for their freedom cannot depend upon an external force to push them into motion. They must have an internal dynamism of their own. Consequently, the African masses, in drawing lessons from the 60s, must come clearly to understand that they must have a dynamism in their hands to tell them when to attack the enemy, how to attack the enemy, and where to carry their struggle. Thus, the 60s must come to be qualified. From a mobilized struggle to an organized struggle, we say they fight like animals. You back an animal up against the wall and the animal, even a rabbit, will come out striking at you until you back up. Those Africans, once provoked, come out striking wildly as they do in Miami. The police retreat, give them some concessions, they sit down, and then the police comes back with more repression. None of the gains made by a a mobilized people can be maintained. It is only an organized people who can make gains and use those gains to further their struggle. Indeed, the gains made by the 60s, since they were made by an unorganized people in a state of mobilization, have not been used by the people, but in fact used by the enemy against the people. It is clear for the history of Africans in America that unlike others in this country, their history is not the same, entirely different from everybody else. All those who came here came here expecting a better life. An African put on a slave ship from Africa know he was coming to hell. It's a fact. Consequently, the relationship between the country cannot be same unless this African has lost consciousness of his history and think that he came on the Mayflower. This aspect of organization from mobilization must be properly understood. No individual African in this country makes any advancement based on his individual talents or worth. All individual advancements are based on mass struggle. This must be properly understood and can be properly underlined for you. Once you know the history of Africans is not the same as the history of others. We make no progress in this country without shedding our blood. No one sitting in this audience can give me one example where Africans in this country have made any progress without shedding their blood. In order for them to get into a filthy five and ten cents store, they must shed their blood. In order to sit on a bus where they pay the same amount as everybody else do, they must shed their blood. In order to get their children into state schools where they pay taxes more than anybody else, they must shed their blood. In order to get the vote which every immigrant gets the minute he comes here, they must shed their blood. Consequently, any advances made by any individual African is made as a result of mass struggle. Thus, that position does not belong to the individual African, it belongs to the people. Failure to use this position for the benefit of the people is a betrayal of the blood of the people. Yes. Consequently, when we come to correct the sixties and look properly at the lessons, we must become an organized people who, once having made gains, are capable of choosing for ourselves who will occupy those gains. They come to talk about some man named Brown, who's going to be head of the Democratic Party. Who picked, him?
1: <laughs> Who picked him? Did the African masses
9: in the Democratic Party pick him? Not at all. As a matter of fact, the Democratic Party holds the Africans in great contempt. They have more elected positions than any other ethnic group in the Democratic Party and has no power in the party at all. They have 302 mayors, 20 congresspeople, 5,000 state, county, local, but no other ethnic group in this country has those many elected officials, and still they have no power in the Democratic Party. Why? Because we are not organized. Consequently, to transform our movement, to push it to higher levels, which it must go because we will arrive at our freedom, if even instinctively, We must come here to put ration and clear reasoning to our struggle and organize the masses of our people. The second lesson we wish to speak of is the role of students. Students of course have a role in any society, capitalist society, social society, and their role is to institutionalize the values of the given society. Conscious of course in a capitalist system this should be done unconsciously. But students are the spark of revolution. Of course, we make a difference here between revolution and reform. Those who want reform seek to work, I guess, from the top down. Those of us who understand fundamental changes know it must come from the bottom up. The students, of course, always work at the point of ideas in a society. Their job is to acquire knowledge, and of course, this knowledge which they acquired is geared by an ideology which tells them what to do with it. So if you're a doctor, instead of curing cancer, you should turn a man to a woman to get money even though she can't make babies that was life (laughs) students we say at the point of ideas and the point of values when one speaks of revolution one speaks of overturning the values of a given society if one is not speaking of overturning the values then one speaks of reform thus one can join the democratic party we're not here to overturn its value but certainly if one is here for revolution and one is here for people's liberation one would know that a corrupt instrument can never lead a people to liberation at all Students then, we say, come to question the values of a society. Of course, in relationship to the values, students, just like anyone in a society, have but two alternatives. Either they accept the values or they reject the values. It's as simple as that. Of course, if they reject the values, they have a responsibility to find alternative values. But either you accept cheating as a student or you reject it. It's as simple as that. Either you accept any value in a society or you reject it. Students, once having rejected a society, Bringing together their ideas and their energies and strength to work against these values, connected with the masses, always give us revolution. Thus from the sixties, while a reform movement, we were able to see that students, joined with the masses of the people, came to bring a lot of changes to the country. Thus we must not confuse ourselves, the job of students is clear here. Their job is to spark revolution. Students cannot carry revolution through to the end. The final triumph of revolution must be carried through to the end by the masses, the workers, and the peasants. But students play a crucial role. We say they spark revolution. Certainly, if we did not recognize this, the enemy did. The FBI, before the 60s, did not have informers on college campus. After the 60s, they put an informer on every college campus in the country. Their job was simple. Stop any activity at all that runs against the status quo. We say it's mobilize people who can allow this, because when you're mobilized and fight like an animal, after you get tired and you wind down, then the enemy comes back stronger than he did before. Students spark revolution, and we must work everywhere to have students live up to their responsibility of sparking revolution. Here, of course, it calls for the students properly understanding the role of knowledge. Knowledge has but one purpose. Its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Knowledge has but one purpose. Its purpose is to alleviate the sufferings of humanity. Capitalism is a backward and stupid system. Capitalism is a contemptuous system. Capitalism is a system based on profit. It will make a commodity out of everything. It will take my mother and sell her on a slave block. It will make students acquire knowledge and make them sell their knowledge on the slave block to advance themselves rather than serving humanity. The struggle becomes especially crucial for African students. We say no individual African in this country makes any advance unless it is a result as mass struggle. Any student sitting in any seat in any college in America know that they didn't gain that seat through their own individual talents, but only through the struggles of the masses of their people. Thus, That seat belongs to the people. The knowledge they acquire there must be used for the people, otherwise they have already betrayed the people and have repeated errors. Thus, students of the eighties going into the nineties have a responsibility to use their knowledge to help advance the struggles of humanity. We say the lessons here must be properly understood and the students going to spark these movements must go properly organized in order to bring organizational skills to the masses of the people. The third area the 1960s, of course, was a mobilized area, and in a mobilized area, there would be a lot of confusion. One of the biggest areas of confusion was the basis of the struggle. Some felt that the basis of the struggle must be made by appeals to morality. Of course, anyone knowing anything about struggle knows that this cannot be. Even Frederick Douglass so long ago told us that uh, power concedes nothing without demands. It never did, and it certainly never will. Consequently... What was learned from the struggles of the sixties that when one comes to struggle, one must struggle for power, not for morality. Certainly, one cannot speak of morality when one is speaking to capitalism. It is an immoral system. It has no conscience. It knows only its own interest. It will commit genocide to take land from the red man. It will commit slavery to enrich itself. It will drop napalm bombs on babies in Vietnam. Consequently. When we come to talk of advancing ourselves through power, we must come to speak of just that, power. And we must understand that the only place we find power is through the organized masses. Simply put, until the masses of our people are organized, we will remain powerless, and thus the victims of all vicious powers that seek to exploit us. The question of morality, of course, must not be put aside, no. But it is clear that any struggling people struggling for justice are already struggling for a moral struggle. Consequently here, the question of morality doesn't lay with them but with the enemy who seeks to keep them oppressed. We must then understand clearly that when we look for power in the 90s, we must look, when we look for, when we struggle in the 90s to advance ourselves, we must struggle only based on our own power, the power of the ability to organize our people. Of course we said that we advance only through mass struggle and that is clear. Consequently, we must come to understand that it is only through mass organization and conscious mass struggle that we will properly arrive at our liberation in a planned manner. This leads to another point which must be clear, the questions of coalitions. The 1960s, of course, made many errors with coalitions. Here, we believe that political coalitions could be made based on sentiment. Somebody said they feel the way we do. And consequently, we come to organize them. The history, of course, of our people shows that this cannot be the case. If one would go back to the history of the South in this country, immediately after the Civil War, there arose at that time a party known as the Populist Party. One of the leaders of the Populist Party was a man by the name of Tom Watson, a white man from Georgia. Watson came after the Civil War to tell the Africans that the rich white man he exploits the poor white man and the poor African, and consequently, what we need to do is to join an alliance against the rich white man. Well, you know us Africans, we just love anything anybody. We just ran into the party. <laughs> we filled the party of the populace, We did work for the populace, We were everywhere in the populist party. After the Hayes-Tilden compromise, when the government decided to give the South back to the slave masters. Tom Watson became a member of the Ku Klux Klan and drove us out of the Populist Party. What was the error? The error was that as a force we were not independently organized, thus not even knowing our own power. We went in as individuals into the party, thus they could chase us out. Examples are to be found everywhere. The struggle of the labor movements in this country is certainly instructive. If one would look at the struggle for labor unions in this country, one would find that Africans have everywhere played a role out of proportion to their numbers. If you look at labor unions today, they are racist from top to bottom. What was the error? Africans came to enter the unions without being first an organized force. The sixties then come here. We were told that we had coalitions with groups I've never heard of, the labor union. We had interests with the church groups, all of them. They were all, all for our interest. <laughs> of course, the error was that some Africans thought that the interest of America was the same as the interests of us. Of course, the job of the system, the job of the enemy is to confuse you and to let you think that your interest in your history is the same as that of your oppressor. As a matter of fact, the job of the master is to convince the slave that the master is really concerned about the interest of the slave. And if the master doesn't do well, the slave will be in trouble. Any slave who believes that he has the same interest as the master will pick cotton at night. All slaves must understand that their interests are diametrically opposed to the interests of the master. Not only are they diametrically opposed, they are antagonisms to each other. What is good for the master is bad for the slave. What's bad for the master is good for the slave. Of course, we said that even the people instinctively understand this, and the 60s come to clarify the point clearly. Of course, if you would look at the 60s, you would see at the height of the struggle, the struggle for human rights, came to be, uh, there came to be some confusion here with the war in Vietnam. The people always see clearly. Instinctively, the people understood, the African masses, that they had to be against the war in Vietnam. There was no question here. But it was in just expression of this position against the war in Vietnam that one came to see that in order to have coalitions, one must really have coalitions based on interest. I am not even talking here of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was really the radical cutting wing of the movement of the 60s and which was the first one to take a position against the war in Vietnam. Indeed, it did not take a position for peace. It took an anti-imperialist position. It said clearly it wanted the Vietnamese to win, and the way it was going to do that was to demobilize the Americans by not having an army. Thus, the slogan which Snick gave to them was a simple one. Hell no, we won't go. Simple as that. And that simple slogan, of course, came to cause splits within these coalition forces. The labor unions who walked hands in hands with us for for struggles, all of a sudden were for the Vietnam War against us. The church itself had to step back. Obviously, here, we didn't understand what we were fighting for. We thought we were fighting for freedom. And Dr. Martin Luther King said it all the time, freedom is indivisible. As a matter of fact, he used to say all the time, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Consequently, if there's injustice in Vietnam, I'm stupid thinking I'm sitting in America not to think that it affects me. If there's injustice in Vietnam, I better go cut it down before it comes to find me. Consequently, since Africans, assuming that justice was indivisible and began to move and to move everywhere against injustice, they came up against contradictions with those whom they made coalitions around the question of the war in Vietnam. We only use it here as a clear example. Africans cannot form coalitions until they themselves are organized and know exactly what their interests are. Thus, there is no need for us to talk now about coalition with anybody because we are a disorganized people. First, we must become organized. It is for this reason that we are held in such contempt by the Democratic Party, because inside the Democratic Party, we are a disorganized people, even inside the there, with one fighting against the other simply because we have not organized ourselves properly. It is for this reason that they will give us somebody and make us think that we pick them just because he looks like us. (coughs) Coalitions then can only be formed once we are organized and know precisely what our interests are. What then are the relevancy for the 90s? Revolution is inevitable everywhere in the world, this is clear. And anyone taking just a cursory glance at the United States of America must know that America is more ripe for revolution today than it was in the 60s. What are the conditions that lead us to this conclusion? Number one, the conditions are worse today than they were in the 60s. In the 60s, we didn't have to deal with three million homeless. And not only that, The very objective conditions put the people into contradictions with their own instinctive knowledge. Every man and woman in America, even the most unconscious man or woman in America, knows that America has enough wealth to feed and clothe three million homeless. It is a question of the will of the people. Consequently, the objective conditions we say are higher. But these objective conditions are higher with also another rising factor the rising consciousness of the people the enemy tries everywhere through their mouthpiece the mass media to make it appear as if the people's consciousness is not growing as if it stopped this is stupidity the consciousness of the people must forever grow and some of us become confused not even understanding how it manifests itself the other day having a discussion with an elderly man He came to say to me, Kwame Ture, you're always up on the college campus with our students. I said, oh yes, I work with them all the time. He said, "Uh, they are more unconscious. They're so unconscious, they're more unconscious than you were when you were a student. I said, never. He said, yes. I said, no, they're more unconscious than we were. Our work was in vain in the 60s. He said, no, I'm telling you, they're more unconscious than you are. I said, no, they cannot be. He said, if you go up on the college campus and talk to them, they know nothing about Martin Luther King. They know nothing about Malcolm X. I said, that's correct. We don't teach them. But one thing is certain, you cannot put them on the back of a bus. Yes, of course.
1: <laughs> of, course. <laughs> of course,
9: of course, <laughs> of course. he was, he went on the back of the door. <laughs> yes. Once history is made, it cannot be unmade. The job of the enemy is to push the people back. Once we broke out of slavery, they did everything possible to push us back into slavery. No sharecropping, yes, but not slavery since the 60s they've been doing everything else to push us back but once a man or a woman has learned something as sigmund freud has scientifically demonstrated it never leaves the mind even if he thinks he's forgotten it and once the people have learned something through struggle never can they forget it consequently the struggles of the 60s must be un- must you must understood are already ingrained in the culture of the people making them more determined to fight not less If you come to look properly at America, we say it is more ripe for revolution today than ever before. In the 1960s, and we must show here the rising level of political consciousness, if you want to see the rising level of political consciousness in this country, don't look to the left, look to the right. The right in America today are involved in activities which in the 1960s they considered to be communist. If you would look properly at America today, you will see the conditions are more ripe. In the 60s, the progressive forces were facing the government and the right wing which were fighting for status quo. Today the right wing is not with the government, it's against the government, it's fighting the government. You have the right fighting the government and the left fighting the government, the possibility of change becomes easier even though the right is not fighting for the same change the left is fighting for. That's understood. But the fact that both of them are fighting against the government makes the possibility of change much easier. And we say if you want to see the rising level of consciousness, look to the white right in this country. Where they disagree with busing, they burn buses. Where they disagree with abortion, they bomb clinics. Thus, they themselves have come to demonstrate the use of violence as a potent force in arriving at a political objective. Everywhere, the conditions for revolution are more ripe today than ever before. And in all of this is, of course, the rising consciousness of the people. The younger generation of Africans in this country, the youth, really believe that everything in America they have a right to. They believe it as a result of the struggles of the sixties. When they come up against a wall, there's going to be a serious explosion in this country. That explosion cannot be a repetition of the sixties. Indeed, history never repeats itself, even though bourgeois scholars never stop hopping this song. <laughs> Nothing repeats itself, but people, however, can repeat their mistakes, yes. And of course, once you repeat a mistake, it is more grave than the first time around. The lessons then must be clear. There is no question, and you must in no way lose faith in the masses of the people. It is they and they alone who make revolution, not their petty bourgeois spokesmen who betray them everywhere. And the conditions of the masses are worse today than they were in the 60s. These masses must have changed and will have changed by any means necessary. The final point here. The final point then, you must not become confused by the American capitalist system which holds up betrayers of the people's struggle as representatives of the people. In any army in the world, if you desert, you should get shot, it's a law, certainly you must be shot, and if you volunteer for an army, you should be shot twice, (laughs) Of of course. You volunteer for the people's army, the people go to fight, they're ready to fight, you say I'm leaving, what do you mean you're leaving? But if you will look at our struggle since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on the blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. It must be clear then for the 60s, The class struggle in the African revolution must be more ruthless and uncompromising than in any other revolution. Here then the masses must come without pity and without mercy to trample upon these reactionary pigs who after the people have gained struggle through their blood come to hand back the gains on a silver platter to the very enemy the people fought. This will come as a natural consequence. The people themselves are everywhere screaming that it's time for them to deal with these reactionary pigs. Even in America, they say, our leaders must be held accountable. They're only saying here that these people must be accountable to those who made it possible for them to get there. Thus, not only is the revolution inevitable, but it is clarifying itself and it is qualifying itself. For the African masses everywhere, the clairpoised position now for class struggle has become inevitable and irreversible. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we, who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we, who knowing that the people will always be free, we, understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. The organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you.
0: Can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine Palestine. needs needs her freedom. Palestine. Needs our love, needs our
1: love
0: Palestine, needs her freedom Palestine, needs our
1: love
0: There seems to be no answer To give us the reason why Needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our
1: love.
0: People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning.